Magic mushrooms. Woo! The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gons as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is November 4th, 2020. This is episode 261. And today, Pharmakia votes. And you know me, I am your best buddy, Basil, and favorite presidential candidate. (laughs) Are you conceding yet? (laughs) No, I will never concede. (laughs) I'm not Kanye. I'm sticking this out to the end. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we love Jesus. We love you. We love uh, ourselves, I guess. Hard to do for me, not for Basil. And we're trying to love our enemies as we are in the middle of uh, the election, or at least the vote counting, which is uh, all the rage at the moment and all the confusion as well. Harry Legs Joe in the Twitch chat is continuing. There's some Basil birtherism that started a few <laughs> weeks ago, and it's still going. Show us your birth certificate, Basil. Never! Okay. And you can't see my taxes either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're waiting for that. Um, also, <laughs> so I went to bed last night, and Trump was leading in Congratulations. Wisconsin. Not I, everybody can say that. No, no. Well, I, yeah, that's true. I did wake up a few times for the baby, which is built into, you know, having a baby. Oh yeah. There you go. Uh, but when I stopped looking at the screen to, you know, all the election stuff, uh, mm-hmm. Trump had the lead in Wisconsin and Michigan and I woke mm-hmm. up and there was a giant spike and now they're mm-hmm. calling Wisconsin for Biden and Michigan they're saying is, uh, is being led by Biden as well with 99% of the votes in. And if Biden gets those two, uh, looks like uh, we're going to have a new president. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who is it? Uh, is it uh, Wisconsin where they're reporting like is like 101 or 102 percent uh, voting <laughs> participation? <laughs> yeah, something like, like that. There's more people voting than are uh, registered in the state. I yeah, don't know. That I could be remember. fake news. I just saw that on memes. Yeah, well, uh, in Wisconsin, they're saying 90, as of this recording, 99% reported, and Biden is less than or just about 20,000 votes ahead, which, uh, again, it's when you look at a chart, there's like a little spike, and people are saying, oh, it's the mail-in ballots. And it's oh, all yeah, confusing. it's not even a spike. It's a wall. It's a, yeah, straight up. It, the, the, it's not a V-shaped recovery. It's like a, it's an eye. <laughs> it's a, just a giant yeah. eye that goes straight up. Um, and then same thing with Michigan uh, right now, as of the Google counter here, at least, it's about 70,000 votes behind. And uh, that also just, I mean, he was, I think he was like 70,000 votes, uh, votes ahead when I decided to stop watching. So it was like a huge flip a yeah yeah and uh people are talking on social media about all that there's some voter fraud stuff obviously that's been the talk for a while now but some video footage of people with suitcases bringing it into the voter counting booth in the middle of the night i mean this right. is madness basil it's crazy yeah yeah we knew this was gonna happen nothing nothing out of the ordinary here we've been saying it for uh 
at least a couple months that there's no possible way that this election doesn't go to the courts. Yeah. So anyways, there you go. If that hopefully that brings you a little bit of peace, somebody out there, maybe not just like in general, not that uh, all is well with the world, maybe not a complete sense of shalom, but uh, just, you know, no reason to freak out too much about the numbers right now. There is no conceivable universe in which this doesn't go to the courts. Well, if you listen to Biden's speech, he's pro-America. So, oh, well, this is the first this? time hearing about this, Biden. <laughs> Even though the the three F's, the three red flags, or the yeah, the three red flags for communism, or I'm sorry, socialism, is mm-hmm. in his logo, in the Biden logo. Yeah, you know, you know it's interesting. And I don't know this, you know, you can, when it comes to graphs and charts, anybody can make a graph. Uh, <laughs> but I saw an interesting graph uh, or it was like a plot graph that placed a whole bunch of politicians on a so, sort of four quadrant spectrum between libertarian, authoritarian, left and right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Trump and Biden were pretty darn near close to each other. Really? Uh, in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a circle. According. Yes, according to whoever was putting this graph together, uh, the anal- analysis was that uh, Joe Biden and Trump, at least uh, n- not in their policies, but in their temperament as politicians, are pretty similar. Uh, which, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Um, big news, Gons. What's that? I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know. You make uh, me nervous every time you set up stuff like that. <laughs> Good friend of the show, Gon Shimura, tweeted today. Uh, oh, yeah. He's talking about how he's a libertarian. Yeah. Did you? We finally got it from you. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, and then I countered with, for the record, I'm not a registered libertarian. And then you came back with, no true libertarian is a registered libertarian. So <laughs> yeah, I guess no all true those- libertarian is registered for anything, anywhere. <laughs> So I guess, uh, uh, what is it? The half million people that are part of the, uh, libertarian party. Those are not real libertarians. No, those Those are just chills. (laughs) Chills Chills for small uh, government. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, somebody has got to be registered, but uh, a true libertarian doesn't want to be on any sort of list. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that is a difficult thing in this country to to be like a true, you know, American libertarian because you are asking to go through the the process to basically, you know, restrict the power of the government. It's right. like, all right, let's use the power of by the government par- by to, participating yeah, in by it. By participating right. in it. Let's just scale it back, people, you know. Yeah. That's why we need oh, aliens. Geez. Aliens I'm need to show a- up. I'm having a mic stand emergency oh, again. No. We'll see if it lasts through the <laughs> through the show. Last time it was uh, before we went on air. I think last episode, your mic totally fell off, and I, I yeah. really wish it was it on just, air because it was <laughs> it was you going, "Oh no!" and the mic just falling. Oh, you off. hear it falling like, "Oh no!" Kind of like this election. Yeah. All right. Well, um, any any personal news? You got the you got the baby doing the baby. Baby's thing. doing good. Yep. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that I'll just leave it there. Okay. Um, well, I do want to just give the news because uh, a lot of people have been asking, and thank you very much for being engaged uh, in this situation. Those who care, um, 
bad timing. I did get a call from the vet. We did get the test results back about Monty, the eldest Monty. Yes. On election day, which I thought was pretty rude of the vet, uh, (laughs) considering the the nature of the news. If it makes you feel any better, uh, my dog Toby passed away on election night last year. So, Oh really? Yeah. It must be some weird animal thing going on. That is a weird thing. Yeah. Well, I did get the call and, uh, it is, it is very sad, but I've been preparing myself for this. Uh, Monty does officially have some very aggressive, uh, cancer and cancer tumors. I know Mm -hmm. I went through the whole conversation about, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, vet says that there is, you know, I can always pursue, uh, you know, an onco- oncological um, route, go see an oncologist, but uh, apparently it is very aggressive and um, invading several different organ systems. Aww. So it's not looking good, but uh, hopefully best case scenario, you know, we still got uh, three to six months with monty there so oh, that's, that's we'll be bad. doping her up months. doping her up making her feel good when, you know keeping <laughs> with, her comfortable when my dog went to the hospital it was like yeah you can pay six grand to give him surgery right now or he'll make it till next week maybe sure so it was you a, know and it is a, it was interesting because yeah i mean who knows you can easily pay five to ten grand for chemotherapy for your pet um, but I mean, that's just insane. I, n- I not know. even the cost. I mean, there is a world in which, you know, I talk about doing Kickstarters all the time for all sorts of stupid stuff. And I think I've hel- I've shown such restraint over the years <laughs> by not actually doing that. Yeah. I'm confident that, uh, you know, if I really tried to advocate and finally pull those favors uh, from producers and people on the internet. I feel very loved. I could probably make it happen, but um, uh, anyway, doing the whole chemotherapy thing just sounds like torture. And also the, the, you know, the vet was saying you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even get that much more time. Right. You're buying. It's just a matter of time at this point. Yeah. How long is, uh, or how old was your, was Monty? We don't even know. Um, I think the, the sort of common consensus in my family, cause this cat I inherited, um, from a family member who passed and the common consensus is that Monty was 16 years old when I got her. And that was like four years ago. (laughs) So she's like, yeah, four or five years ago. So there's a very good chance. She's like over 20 years old. She's like Biden. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding keeps rolling <laughs> yeah she's pretty senile like biden too, <laughs> but she's fun i see some people in the chat talking about cannabis oil i have started a uh, a, a cannabis oil regimen a, a cbd oil reb- regimen for monty we'll see if that helps uh she does just get pretty stoned and just lays around so i don't know <laughs> just in general or on the cbd <laughs> she's been a stoner for years no uh no just with the cbd i think there's like a very light thc uh content in the stuff that i have okay um luckily i'm i'm in a place in the country that you can do that uh and apparently i don't know i'm not a scientist i'm told you need a little bit of the thc to activate the cbd or something um but i don't know i just i just did what the stoner vet told me to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. Um, All right. 
Which so, kind of uh, goes along with uh, some of our stories here. Maybe you can move to that's Oregon. That's what I'm saying. It's very on theme. On very theme. on theme for this episode. Yeah. Um, all right. All you right. want to you wanna jump in yeah. here with the Flippy Let's update? Let's start out with the Flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Okay, folks, good news, more good news <laughs> on this day after official election day. Oh, my gosh. Every website I go to has a totally different count for presidential results. I know. I stop that's, looking. Yeah, that is a, a challenging thing about this whole yeah. endeavor. Yeah. Meanwhile. Um, what am I doing here? Oh, flippy update. A victory. A victory in the fight against the robots, Gons, mm -hmm. coming from an unlikely source. This is uh, businessinsider.com. The article is titled, Walmart scrapped plans to let these six-foot-tall robots check inventory at stores after reportedly finding that it's simpler to let humans do the job. <laughs> now, for the... It's just simpler. We don't need to get robots. Uh... For those who are new to the show, if this is your first time tuning in, let me let you know. Flippy is the colloquial name we have for the disembodied robot arms that are taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. We use talking about Flippy as a proxy conversation to discuss and investigate the coming robot uh, takeover and what we can and cannot do about it. Um, just kind of exploring how robotics are worming its way into our lives. And that's right. You heard it in the article here or in the headline. Walmart scrapped its plants to uh, put armed military style robots in its stores to uh, take inventory. Uh, just kidding. But they are six feet tall, which is spooky. The article reads as such. Walmart has called off its plans to use six-foot-tall robots from startup Bossa Nova uh, to check inventory following a 500-store trial. Okay, I'm just going to let everybody know. That slight pause there was me making a split-second decision whether to sing a Bossa Nova song or not. <laughs> so you're welcome. Uh, the article continues, Walmart reportedly found that having staff check inventory was simpler. And worried about how shoppers would react to the robots. That's right. <laughs> you got to worry about how your Walmart shoppers are going to react to uh, uh, robots. The retailer planned to use machines made by California-based robotics firm Bossa Nova to scan inventory in stores and send real-time alerts to staff about stock levels, automating the task and saving the grocer money. It had trialed the robots in 500 stores and planned to push them out to a further 500, but has now pulled the plug on the scheme entirely, telling the Wall Street Journal it wanted to focus on other ideas. Yeah. Source <laughs> other ideas. Sources familiar with the situation told the Journal Monday that the company had found different and sometimes simpler ways to check inventory. With more people ordering online, the store has more staff walking the aisle who can flag inventory problems, the sources said. But the retailer was also considering other automated ways of checking inventory, they said. Walmart U.S. Chief Executive John Ferner was also worried about how shoppers would respond to seeing robots in the store. One of the sources said, ooh, all these sources saying things. Efficient inventory checks ensure retailers order new products. Blah, blah, blah. We know that. Uh, since Walmart ended the robot contract, Bossa Nova has dismissed around half of its staff. Oh, my gosh. Wow. They were really counting on that Walmart contract. 
A source told the journal, journal, Walmart told the robotics company that the machines had not made a big enough impact on the company's revenue, the source said. Bossa Nova first began working with Walmart in 2017 when the grocer ordered 50 robots. Walmart has separately introduced robots for cleaning floors, unloading sorting items from trucks, and for picking up orders in stores. In January, the retailer unveiled Alphabot. A robot that can pick and pack online grocery orders up to 10 times faster than humans. And in October, Walmart-owned Sam's Club announced plans to expand autonomous floor scrubbing robots to all 599 stores. So there you go, folks. Your Walmart is safe in the robot apocalypse. And as much as I hate to say it, I think we have a corporate sponsor for the uh, you know anti-robot revolution. Um, get at me, Walmart. Wal- Walton family. This is a different robot from the ones they had the googly eyes on, right? Because I remember the googly yeah, eyes. It looks yes. it looks very similar. It's in grocery stores. Um, yeah, that actually tall. that wasn't Walmart. That was a different. Uh, uh, was it? That was a an actual grocery store chain, but sim- same concept. Yeah. All right. Well, I was yeah. maybe so thinking. There you go. The googly eyes was responsible for the uncomfortable <laughs> no, the nature. The googly eyes helps. The googly <laughs> eyes remember guns. The googly eyes uh, with the unending eye contact instills trust (laughs) and uh, comfort into uh, human beings. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there you go. I mean, this is a a good, a good thing. Hallelujah. Although there you go. Some good news on this (laughs) dire election day. Although the, I guess the the most concerning thing is uh, the the part where they said they're going to focus on other ideas. It's just so vague, you know, like, what do you mean <laughs> yeah. other ideas? Oh, we, we, we were not going to go with a six foot tall robot, but the praying mantis robot hanging upside down from the ceiling. Yes. Going the security drones, yeah. the <laughs> armed flamethrower security drones is our next big idea. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Oh, Biden moved up 253 electoral votes. It's over blah, folks. Blah, it's a blah, Biden. Cons. It's no. Biden. Biden's world. Now, no, you know, the no. thing. People are coming here for a break from constant <laughs> election updates. Are they? Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the people want. You think if I knew that, I'd be wearing these googly eyes? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good point. All right. Well, uh, anything else to say about the Bossa Nova robots? Why, why no. do they actually like dance and sing to Bossa Nova? That would be very... No, I don't know. It's strange. You know, that's the thing with these robotics companies. A lot of them are sound like they're from video games. They'll mm-hmm. be like Robotronics Incorporated or something like that. And some of them are just like Giggly Waffle Robots. <laughs> <laughs> just like really all over the place with these robot company names. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Okay. Well, we're going to we're going to go into some updates here and then we we have a big story about Pharmakia. Uh, mm-hmm. But here we go. Some brief updates. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. 33 is the number of completion of the Great War. 33 is the Illuminati dog whistle. This is actually just a, a, a screenshot that was sent by a listener. Uh, actually, his wife. So Jack's wife, Jack and his wife. Thank you for sending yes. this in. And uh, it was basically <laughs> Jack received a screenshot from uh, Google Play Store. It looks like 33 updates available. Oh, and this uh, is his wife got this. The got wife. The, yeah, his wife did took the screenshot. Yeah. And send it to him. And, and he sent it to us. But uh, 
Yeah, 33 updates. So uh, she was definitely, tr- it says, ah, triggered 33. And a uh, little all-seeing eye drawn at the top there. So pretty good. Just yeah. uh, realizing now, now that it's I- triggering people all over. Yeah, I don't want to draw any unnecessary attention uh, uh, to Jack and his wife or particularly his wife. But so I apologize if I'm overstepping my bounds. But you look at the list of updates. You've got YouTube and Ovulation Tracker mm-hmm. by Premom. Yeah. So, you know, we did a story about the uh, big data ovulation trackers and um, how they're, you know, using that. Uh, information to p- make micro adjustments to population control. Right, right. So there you go. Well, there you go. well that's good. She's keeping an eye on things. Good job, Jack's <laughs> wife. An eye on things as a giant oh. eye is drawn. Oh, yeah. nice one. Yeah. An all-seeing eye. All-seeing eye. And also, this is another 33 update. And this one is a, an extension of the last story uh, or a story from last episode that we touched on about the whale. Remember the whale ke- the whale sculpture? Catching yes. a train. Well, mm-hmm. SmithsonianMag.com in fluke accident sculpture of whale tails s- saves train from 33 foot plunge. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I got to give it to you on that one, Gons. I, th- I didn't say anything, but I did think it was a little so- sort of an off topic story for us. Uh, there was really no connection to, you know, no dots <laughs> to connect necessarily. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, fun. It's a fun story, I guess. But there you go. You called it even before. I know. Uh, the Illuminati uh, connection was made. Yep, yep. I, it must have been just the images. I can I can measure distance from the ground. Yeah, with you my just eye. noticed. <laughs> yes, your <laughs> your subconscious measured the height. Yeah, all that early uh, uh, Kumon math stuff I had to go through as a child paying off. Wow, I have no idea what that is, but I believe you. <laughs> you don't know what Kumon is? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's like is that a, the Japanese uh, finger counting. <laughs> no. Oh, somebody's gonna take a screenshot of me doing the oh, six six no. six seven. Yeah, there you go. Oh gosh, yep. another done. one. Oh, you're Dang done it. for. Uh, no, it's just a. Uh, it's a. It's like an extracurricular math uh, institution, I guess, where you can mm. go in and learn more math at a young age. Because yeah. uh, of course, the the you know standard American education system, a little behind on the math there, so. You want to keep up with the world, you go to Kumo. Okay. At least the Japanese yeah. kids do. <laughs> um, Have you seen those videos of the, the finger counting kids? Yes. Well, they'll yeah. do like long I think division on, on their fingers. I think we showed it on either the numbers episode or something. I remember talking mm-hmm. about it on air. So, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they talk or they, they, uh, they're able to calculate things really, really fast using their fingers and stuff. All these yeah, kids around crazy. the crazy. They'll do yeah. like long division and like six digit multiplication uh, yeah. things all using their fingers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, smart kids. Okay. Smart what's kids. Next? Uh, next up, this is something for people to do research on if they want to look it up. This is adjacent to some of the, uh, election stuff here, but this is a uh, New York times. Mississippi voters approve flag with Magnolia instead of Confederate symbol. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, the new flag, there's a little image of it there. It's a red, yellow, and blue with the Magnolia flag in the, or a flower in the middle. And Mm -hmm. uh, it says Mississippi voters on Tuesday approved a new state flag with the Magnolia flower and red, yellow, blue stripes, replacing the one from 1894 that featured the Confederate battle emblem and was decommissioned by lawmakers in June 
And yeah. uh, uh, there was a part of this story, of course, it's New York Times. Um, maybe I, I missed it. Something about how uh, uh, white people are still, you know, trying to hold on to the original design and, you know, that kind oh, of sure. thing. But, uh, you know, this was actually interesting. I, I, uh, I learned about this last year. No, maybe it was just earlier this year. Uh, I heard a thing that told this whole story and basically it was just like one person who was like, Hey, should we redesign this? You think? And it was like one person was able to go through and change it for the entire state. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot more to the story, and it was a much, it was a very intense battle, as you can imagine. But uh, interesting, I, I, good to know the update that yeah. uh, something actually happened. Yeah, and it, I guess it was the the state flower, so it's not too intense or crazy or, or anything <laughs> like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I did notice that uh, according to speaking of witch and wands and magical things. Um, they saw the, uh, Magnolia as oh, I had this highlighted. I don't know what happened to my highlight here. Uh, it's said to, uh, increase feelings of love and loyalty reduces the power of addictions and obsessions, helps skin problems, uh, and, and is that helps magically or is that <laughs> herbolo- <laughs> herbologically? I think a little bit of both. Maybe, maybe that, mm. the, yeah. Uh, helps learning. Oh, here, here it was. Magnolia helps learning from past experiences and clarifies true identity. It eases restlessness and confusion and helps to maintain balance during difficult changes. Magnolia well, promotes we'll a sense see. of freedom and relaxation. Uh, so just relax. That is interesting. That is uh, pretty relevant. Uh, considering that it happened during this election and this election is probably the biggest possible change in the past four years, at least. Right. So yeah, I could see some magically minded folks pushing for it. Yeah. Just telling people, Hey, relax. You know, it's, we know a lot of change is here, but just take it easy. You know, pharmacia, gender, feminine, planetary association, Venus and secondary Uranus, (laughs) you know, just, (laughs) Ah, secondary Relax. Uranus. <laughs> Relax. Okay, so there you go. That's uh, uh, just uh, you know peripheral stuff from the election. Although uh, this one I thought was an interesting little story here. Science is truth. Which is not a scientific statement. Wired.com. A super sensitive dark matter search yields strange results. And... Nope. Uh, no There's kidding. A, yeah, no kidding. And this giant uh, sensor thing that they have on the picture looks like a huge shower head. Oh, you see, yeah. Do you see yeah. what I'm looking at with all the little sensors there? Yeah. Or like a, a faucet thing. Yeah, okay. Um, but it says here, the physicists who run the world's most sensitive experimental search for dark matter have seen something strange. They have uncovered Ooh. an unexpected excess of events inside their detector that could fit the profile of a hypothetical dark matter particle called an axion. Alternatively, the data could be explained by novel properties of neutrinos. More mundanely, the signal can come from contamination inside the experiment. So it's always like the most exotic, exciting thing to the most mundane. And the article kind of argues for more of the mundane uh, potential, you know, Occam's razor. Just saying, like, ah, it's probably just some, some uh, background noise and stuff. But uh, that's it, always a possibility. 
it's always interesting to me how mathematically we we have dark matter, you know, and but they haven't really been able to truly see it. And so they're like on this quest to find it. And then when they think they found it, they're not even sure if they did. <laughs> so it's like, yay, science. Well, the, yeah, the Higgs boson was the same way. They like announced it and everybody got super pumped about it even before they really could uh, uh, confirm what they knew about it. Um, Axion, interestingly, is a, a blockchain company. There's, it's oh, a yeah? cr- cryptocurrency and they're... Uh, I don't know, N- nothing super fancy about it, but they're um, boasting all sorts of ways that they're going to cure the world's financial problems. Oh, really? Like every crypto company ever? <laughs> yes, like every single one. <laughs> yeah, every single one that's ever been out there. Uh, okay, and we got one more quick update here, which um, is more of a space thing. What happened to my space thing? There it is. Space, 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 space. Aliens. This is usatoday.com. Radio bursts detected from within our own Milky Way galaxy for first time. Ooh. Yeah. The story highlights here. It has been a mis- It has been, I think it, I think it was a typo here. It had, it had been a mystery. Oh no. It had been a mystery as to what objects could possibly produce such brief, though brilliant radio bursts. It appears the radio purses were, pulses were produced by a magnus uh, magnetar a type of neutron star with a hugely powerful magnetic field the findings were published magnetar. Wednesday. i know <laughs> the findings were published wednesday in a series of studies in a peer-reviewed british journal nature and uh yeah so we've talked we've heard about the fast radio bursts coming from very very far away allegedly uh, but mm-hmm. now they've found him within our own milky way galaxy <laughs> So uh, we'll find out if it's aliens or if it's uh, a magnetar. Yeah. So we've got a, a Martian with a walkie-talkie or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting okay. that the magnetar that produced the bursts is an estimated 32,000 light years from Earth. Oh uh, my so God. close to 33. Maybe they're just, you know, they're not quite sure. They're waiting. Yeah. They're, they're waiting. waiting. <laughs> estimated. So, you know. <laughs> Why is it always an estimate? How come if they're so accurate about this stuff, how come they can't give us like an exact? Because they're not. Because <laughs> they're not so accurate about it. Okay. Well, yeah. Science. Science is truth. But uh, science. Yeah, I, I, I think I can see Tsukalos saying, "Oh, aliens! It's aliens for sure this time, and they're getting closer." You know, with the radio bursts, every time it's getting closer. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Cool. Um, we, we get about one of these every two weeks. We do. That's good to know. We do, we do. Uh, briefly, before we move on here, if you are viewing us live, uh, you will see a little QR code on the top right of our little screen here. And that is actually a, a QR code that you can scan. It'll take you right to your PayPal app. And uh, it'll it allows you to support us in a much quicker yeah. manner if you are an easy way to become a producer of the show. We'll be uh, thanking our very short list of producers. Yeah, we had uh, some come later in. on in the show. What? Yeah, we had some come in well, in the last uh, few minutes. Yeah, here, well, so. actually, I want to give a shout out to Kyle Sport in the Twitch chat. 
He said, uh, I like how you guys put up the QR code. Just made a donation. Give it a shot. All right. Thank you very much, Kyle Sport. Appreciate it. Well, thank you again later on in the show. But just a clarification, it's not just a donation. You are now a producer of the show and we'll be thanking you and other producers later on in the show you've uh, you've got about a half hour uh or 45 minutes very very short list of producers today so if you uh want to jump in at the last second become a producer of the show the executive producer spot is still open for anybody who's uh, wanting to get in there and uh, get some shout outs and uh, help us keep going. Uh, now's your chance. And you got that fun little QR code. You know, speaking of QR codes, Gons, yeah. I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but uh, when QR codes first came out and you needed a special QR code reader and, you know, a, a separate app and all this, QR codes almost died entirely. Yeah. They were so inconvenient. And uh, I was very passionate about trying to destroy QR codes because <laughs> they were so stupid. Um, but now, uh, basically, every smartphone has a QR code reader built right into your camera. Right. Um, so if you've never used one before, all you got to do is just point your camera at the QR code, it'll automatically read it and uh, it'll just give you a little option. You click on the option and it'll take you to a place. So they really perfected the system. I'm now back on board with uh, QR codes. Yeah, until they force you to tattoo a QR code on your right hand. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny to to consider too. QR codes is basically how uh, they use, how they train AI and uh, autonomous robots to distinguish things in the environment. So, you know, if you have the right QR code on your shirt, uh, the robot will, you know, consider you, you can, you can have the QR code for, you know, I'm your mama, I'm your mommy robot. Do as I say, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's keep going with the show. Uh, Let's get into our main story. Armakia. Which one's first here? The Fox NY? I don't know. I'm going to do the Fox one. Okay. I'm going to start. What do you think? Yeah, I'll start with the Fox one because it's kind of funny to have it reported from Fox. So that's where we're going to go. Fox5ny.com. The article is titled, Washington, D.C. Voters Approve Decriminalizing Magic Mushrooms. Woo! Now, this is interesting that Washington, D.C., I'm actually not 100% sure how Washington, D.C. works. Um, For those who are maybe either not know because they are not living in America, or if you are living in America and you might not know this, uh, Washington, D.C. is actually technically not a state. Right. Um, If you counted Washington, D.C., we would actually have 51 states. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's, it's, what is it? I forget what it's called. It's just sort of like a federal municipality or something. It's It's like the Vatican. It's their own little country kind of. It's it's like the Vatican. It's its own separate little thing. Um, So here we go. Uh, the article reads, voters in Washington, D.C. Oh, no. have approved what? You froze for a moment. You're back. Go ahead. Restart oh, the back. article. Okay. Here. here we go. Restart. Voters in Washington, D.C. have approved a measure to effectively decriminalize psychedelic plants, 
like mushrooms. Initiative 81 does not legalize psychedelic plants and fungi, by, but recategorizes them as the lowest level police enforcement priority. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> the lowest level the police enforcement priority. You know, and this is the way that they did it with uh, marijuana back in the sort of early aughts when they started decriminalizing. Yeah. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. I'll get into it later on, though. The measure would not allow commercial sales of the so-called magic mushrooms, but prosecutors would be encouraged to drop cases related to them. Activists weathered the challenges of the pandemic to push the legislation onto the ballot. Their messages or their messaging focused heavily on psychedelics medical usages they say psychedelics can be deployed to treat depression trauma and and addiction denver became the first u.s city to pass an initiative in may 2019 with the california cities of oakland and santa cruz following suit of course so santa cruz <laughs> those fellas up there those crazies <laughs> um and then i'm going to keep going here over on oregonlive.com or Oregon live, who knows? English is a hard language. Article is titled, Oregon becomes first state to legalize psychedelic mushrooms. So this is taking it one step further from Washington, D.C. Oregon will become the first state in the county to legalize psilocybin Tuesday with the passage of Measure 109. Measure 109 was passing by 56.12% Tuesday at 8.50 p.m. with... Uh, a lot of votes, almost 2 million votes. Multiple cities have decriminalized the substance, but Oregon will become the first to permit supervised use statewide if that majority holds. Hmm, supervised use. What does that mean? The measure, backed by chief petitioner's wife and husband. What? Backed by chief petitioner's wife and husband, Sherry and Thomas Eckert of Beaverton. What? Is that like a thruple situation? Chief petitioners, wife and husband. They're just the chief petitioners. They're a wife and husband team. Oh. Yeah. Oh. They, oh, they, oh, chief, oh. they led the petition. Got it. Yeah. Not chief petitioners. Uh, the the chief petitioners has, is, a, is a polygamist and has a wife and a husband. Okay. No, no. That's, uh, no, no. Okay, <laughs> I don't I think anyway. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> the measure backed by chief petitioners. Okay. Was. Oh, my gosh. Wife and husband team. Sherry and Thomas Eckert of Beaverton will allow regulated use of psychedelic mushrooms in a therapeutic setting. You can't blame me, though. Arrogant, uh, Oregon, uh, uh, that, you know, that would not be a surprise if there was a, th a thruple in uh, in government there. Yeah. It creates a two year period during which regulatory details will be worked out, including what qualifications are required of therapists overseeing its use. Okay, interesting. So specifically, Measure 109 is regarding uh, kind of in a medical sense. You know, you go to your, your shrink's office and you get to take mushrooms with your shrink. What a blast that would be, huh? <laughs> uh, the, Eckert's <laughs> the Eckert's both psychotherapists told the Oregonian, Oregon Live, that psilocybin could help people struggling with issues from depression to anxiety to addiction. Recent research at universities including Johns Hopkins, Imperial College in London, and the University of California, Los Angeles have known promising 
have shown promising results of psilocybin therapy on depression, PTSD, and addiction. Quote, we need options, and this is a valid therapeutic option that could help thousands of people, Tom Eckert told the Oregonian Oregon Live in September. The new lawsuit, sorry, the new law will allow anyone age 21 or older who passes a screening to access the service for personal development. Oh, there's that magic word, that magic millennial word, personal development. Uh, But the law won't mean that magic mushrooms have the same legal status as cannabis. Instead, it will allow psilocybin to be stored and administered at licensed facilities. Another measure on this year's ballot, Measure 110, will decriminalize possession of small amounts of drugs, including psychedelic mushrooms. That measure passed to Tuesday night, Dr. Bronner's Soap Company was a major (laughs) financial supporter of the measure, donating more than a million dollars directly and providing most of the money behind a political committee that gave another $1.5 million. Wow, Dr. Bronner's Soap putting their money where their mouth is. (laughs) Their sort of crazy diatribe on the front of their soap. And uh, yeah, they're really going all in for that hippy-dippy stuff. Good on you. Well, they got to get clean. They got to keep Bronner. those those uh, shroom heads clean, you know. Yeah, coincidentally, uh, one <laughs> one uh, main side effect of using mushrooms is being able to actually sit through and read the entire Dr. Bronner's label, which right nobody nobody who's not on drugs could ever do. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> read you, all the hidden messages. You. Yes. Okay. One last one. And this is uh, the pinnacle of this, this journey, this pharmacia journey here. And then we can get into the conversation. Another one from foxnews.com. Oregon becomes first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin and cocaine. Oh my gosh. Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin, cocaine, and meth in a 59 to 41% vote as of early Wednesday morning, according to the Associated Press. The, quote, Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act will transition Oregon's drug policy from a punitive criminal approach to a, quote, humane cost-effective health approach. Quote, people suffering from addiction are more effectively treated with healthcare services than with criminal punishments. The bill reads, quote, a healthcare approach includes a health assessment to figure out the needs of people who are suffering from addiction, and it includes connecting them to the services they need. Instead of treating drug users as criminals, Oregon will now offer them addiction services funded by marijuana tax revenue, which is more than $100 million a year in the state. Only small amounts of drugs are decriminalized, such as less than one gram of heroin, MDMA, oh, sorry, less than one gram of heroin or MDMA, two grams of cocaine or methamphetamine, 12 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, (laughs) which is a lot of grams of psilocybin mushrooms that can send uh, you and four friends all the way to Jupiter Um, and 40, 40 doses of. (laughs) You know, what's funny when you first sent me this, I was, I was thinking, oh, so they basically legalized microdosing. And then you're like 40 doses of LSD. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's a not lot microdosing. Of LSD. That's, that's, apparently that's uh that's that's macro dosing. That's yes. That's no, 40, than- 40 doses of LSD is quite the uh, <laughs> quite the afternoon. <laughs> 
twenty <laughs> afternoon. Interesting way to put <laughs> yeah, it. Th- yeah. No, that's that's your week right there. Uh, oxycodone or methadone? Interesting. Oxycodone is involved uh, in this as well, given its pharmaceutical problems. Um, moving on, criminal penalties for possession of these amounts are replaced with a fine of up to one hundred dollars, which can be waived if the user is evaluated at addiction recovery centers. Interesting crimes that are associated with drug use, such as manufacturing drugs, selling drugs and driving under the influence are still criminal offenses. More than one hundred organizations endorse the measure, including <laughs> one hundred organizations. That's one hundred of Oregon's most politically active marijuana dispensaries, <laughs> including the Oregon chapter of the American College of Physicians. Okay, Oregon Nurses Association, Oregon School Psychologists Association, Oregon Academy of Family Physicians, and the ACLU and oh. others. There was also a fair amount of opposition to the measure, no kidding, with two dozen district attorneys in the state saying the measure... Quote, recklessly decriminalizes possession of the most dangerous types of drugs and will lead to an increase in acceptability of dangerous drugs. Uh, Multiple countries in Europe, including Portugal and Netherlands and Switzerland, have decriminalized hard drugs without rampant negative effects. Portugal decriminalized all drugs in 2001, which did not lead to an increase in drug use, but did result in a dramatic reduction of pathologies associated with drug use, such as sexually transmitted diseases and overdose deaths, according to a 2009 Cato Institute study. A 2015 year European drug report also found that Portugal's drug overdose death rate is five times lower than the European Union average. So there you go. This is very interesting, Gons. I'm going to let you start out. What do you think? Oh, what do I think? I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, well, maybe, is, uh, maybe yeah. giving a brief, uh, starting with sort of a brief introduction to pharmacia for those who might be new to the sure. show or new to that kind of information. Sure. So pharmacia is in the, in the Bible. Uh, it's mentioned in uh, several different places. Uh, Galatians 520, uh, most famously revelation 1823 talks about how the merchants of the earth deceived the nations with your sorcery. And the word sorcery is pharmacia. And of course, you know, we talk about big pharma. Um, The definition is the use of medicine, drugs, or spells, magic, sorcery, enchantment. And uh, interesting how it's the merchants of the world who did it. You know, it's it's not even talking about witches. It's talking about businessmen. Businessmen. Yeah. And and yeah, we're basically coming into that world where if you are decriminalizing it and institutionalizing uh, psychedelics and, and I mean, you know, pharmacia extends beyond just psychedelics. It's any kind of medicinal use for uh, extra perception or, or just big pharma in general to, you know, dumb down the masses, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. But in terms of psychedelics, uh, you touch on magic, sorcery, enchantment. That seems to be more of the psychedelic bent of the, the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where it starts here. And, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great research done in the past with uh, just the connection. Uh, I, I noticed somebody in the chat mention how some people believe Jesus was a mushroom, or at least the you know the the people who. Uh, yeah, interesting conversation going on right now with the that new book, um, the Im- Immortality Key, that explores 
uh, alleged uh, uh, consistent use of magic mushrooms by early Christians. Right. Well, it, it all stems back to a book from 1970. It's called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, a study yeah. of the nature of origins of Christianity within the fertility cults of the ancient Near East. And this was written by John Macro Allegro. And uh, Jan Irvin, who used to be at Gnostic Media, and from what I understand, I haven't followed his work in quite some time, but mm. uh, last I heard, he converted from Gnostic, Gnosticism to actually a Christian. So I don't, I don't know if that's fact or not, but that's kind of what I've heard in the, you know, through the grapevine. But he actually did some fantastic work exposing John Allegro uh, and his ties to the CIA and the entire... Uh, you know, drug, sex, rock and roll movement of the '60s being a part of MK Ultra and part mm-hmm. of the CIA experiment to control society, basically. And so he did a very—I mean, he's an extensive work on that and and connecting John Allegro to uh, a lot of nefarious characters within the CIA who wanted to control civilization. And that's where we get a lot of the more uh, you know the stories about. Uh, you know, putting LSD in, in, in water and uh, the footage of people, uh, military men. You know, you've yeah. seen that propaganda footage of like, here's some military men before they got dosed with LSD. And then they're like standing in line. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And then here's them after. And they're like all wiggly and dancing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's funny videos to watch. Real quick, uh, don't lose your thought. Sure. I do want to mention uh, streams. Well, yeah, streams in the desert said twelve grams of mushrooms isn't that much. You must be a real champ, streams in the <laughs> desert, because the average. Um, I I did look it up just to, just to double check it. The yeah. average, you know, full trip of mushrooms is three grams. So yeah, I mean, you you yeah. you said you twelve four- is a lot. That's enough for four people. Yeah. Yeah, um, a, and also <laughs> fact checker bot mentions Portland riots are going to be nuts now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I All think right. part of it too is also just this idea that you know everybody's sitting at home, and so why not? You know, the part of the the argument for mm. recreational use of drugs was like, well, if you're at home and you're not hurting anybody, why not? You know, and so that I think that sentiment. Well, um, and we were talking about how that academic paper came out suggesting that we that the government dose. Uh, basically dose conservatives while they're in quarantine to be compliant to quarantine. That's right. Yeah. 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 So there you go. I think there's a lot of uh, social control built into uh, this type of thing. And you're going to get a lot of the, you know, the Joe Rogan crowd ish be really pumped Mm -hmm. about this. Hey, we're helping people with, uh, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Trauma. What is that? Uh, What's that thing called? I'm blanking on the name. PTSD. Thank you. Yeah, and stuff like that. And, and sure, there's probably some scientific approaches to, to some of the chemicals and substances that if you do decriminalize, people in the labs can use it to medicinal purposes. But I mean, you're still talking about medicine here. And, and, and the other part of it, and I wanted to go back to the first article from the uh, Fox NY, uh, it had something to do with um, as long as people can use it, or maybe it was the Oregonian. Uh, it was a mention about being, being able to use it with overseeing its use therapists, overseeing its use. And yeah. I, I can't imagine, uh, how this isn't going towards like a flippy robot rebellion or not rebellion robot, uh, you know, 
babysitter type of situation where it's like, oh, you, you don't have anybody to watch over your drug trip. Why don't we get some robots to assist you to make sure you're, you know, being able to go to the restroom and whatever, whatever else. That right. could be a whole different robot industry of like, not just drug dispensing, but also, you know, being able to help you out. Uh, so that's just something that came across my mind. But overall, I think this plays into the Revelation 18, and you mentioned it, the merchants of the earth uh, deceiving the world with sorcery, that type of, uh, or at least culturally moving in that direction. And yeah. sure, you have... Uh, well, there's a conversation there. I mean, I'm going to get into my thoughts about it in a second. But that merchants of the earth thing, using pharmacia to deceive everybody, that, that seems like a really specific thing to talk about. I mean, look, I'm not here saying anybody should or, you know, whatever, go do drugs. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in that passage specifically, the thing that worries me the most is the merchants of the world part, right? You know, using pharmacia to deceive the world. Um, yeah, which, anyways, yeah, which is, uh, it's, it's not unlike what we read about in the book of Enoch, where the watchers, uh, taught enchantments in the cutting of the root. And mm. it was part and part with, you know, teaching women to wear makeup and it's like an uh, ayahuasca thing. Yeah. An ayahuasca thing. And, uh, just the whole idea of, being able to sort of peer into the other side. And, yeah. and it seems to be something that yeah, there's different theories about it. How some have said that, Hey, before the fall of man, uh, we were able to sort of openly see the spirit world overlaid yeah. with our world. And that's kind of how people describe various trips to, with uh, ayahuasca or any kind of psychedelic. Yeah. Well, interesting connection as well. And I'm only vocalizing this because I'm just now thinking about it. You know, mm. the watchers talking about uh, teaching medicine and the cutting of the root, cutting of the root. You know, I don't know what exactly they meant, but ayahuasca, I believe, is a root based thing. I could be wrong. Maybe it's bark. I don't know. But it is considered medicine. They yeah. call it medicine, like shamans and people yeah. of that. Yeah, that, that's that crowd. the whole the whole thing with shamans is like medicine man. You know, it's basically yeah. a medicine man. Um and the other part, if you if you do want to get into some research, um trying to find the name of the book because I have it here in a list. Uh there was some research done by a doctor in New Mexico uh, over the last few years, and I can't. I'm, I have a long list of books here, so I'm trying to find the name. Uh, okay, Dr. Rick Strassman. Um, we've covered it. I, I've covered it in the past several years ago, but it's worth mentioning again. There's a book called DMT: The Spirit Molecule, mm -hmm. and he basically it's one of the only uh, like official DMT. Uh, studies that have been done in, in like a laboratory setting type of thing on people, not just like mm -hmm. the chemical, but like the effects it has on people. And um, he, he found that uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of shared experiences of entities and stuff. And, and there's a lot of like you know, people uh, having uh, unpleasant experiences from entities. And uh, they even had to have like a, like a help group of people that were like abused by them and stuff. And, and, uh, other other factors that suggest that perhaps this these aren't like individual mind 
experiences of like, oh, I, you know, one person takes some DMT and they right. see some they entity. Talk about how, yeah, everybody kind of sees the same thing. The shared entities and remembering their names and, and various strange things that would suggest that there's more than just a, yeah, an individual, uh, individually shaped thing. And uh, I, th- I believe Dr. Strassman wrote a second book that uh, kind of in line with the John Allegra stuff. Um, was basically saying that a lot of the, he was basically making the connection with a lot of the visions that were seen by the prophets. And specifically he goes into Ezekiel, uh, the mm-hmm. biblical visions more specifically um, seem to have a very similar uh, description to what a lot of his, his uh, subjects uh, in his research explained with what they were seeing. And so you know, again, I think there's something there in terms of a spirit world and being able to being able to peer into it. Uh, DMT and the Soul of Prophecy is the second book that was written by Dr. Rick Strassman that that touches that. He documents, and Rick Strassman is pretty. He he approaches it uh, as objectively as possible. He's not saying that everybody on the Bible was on mushrooms or anything like that. He's just saying here's the the data in terms of what he researched and and right. all the, all the people that he came in contact with. And this, you know, the closest thing that I've read in, in ancient literature is a lot of the visions in the Bible. And so just interesting things to consider. And that's DMT specifically. We're talking, you know, this is, magic mushrooms is a different uh, substance, but it all kind of falls under the pharmacia heading, I think. And, uh, you know, LSD as well, MDMA. Um, but not surprising if you really want to go down that rabbit trail of the connection with uh, Gordon Wasson, uh, who was the chairman for the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, and he was part of the uh, vice president of public relations for JP Morgan bank. And um, I think he was the one that had sent letters or uh, letters back and forth with uh, uh, John Allegro and uh, you know, just, just some suspicions there about the role the CIA played in the drug culture movement in the sixties and seventies. And uh, I think ongoing, I, I don't think that what we see now uh, with the culture is different it's just an evolved point of that and and because if you think about drug culture it's like it's pretty mainstream in terms of like pop culture you know ayahuasca you know you hear all about these professionals going down to south america to have an ayahuasca experience to heal from their traumas and stuff like that there's a lot of that going on so uh it's become more and more widely accepted culturally and i would imagine that that is also part of uh a, a part of the mk ultra externalization of the hierarchy so to speak when right. it comes to having it become an accepted thing in culture and now legislatively uh, accepted um and yeah you know if you <laughs> there's an argument to be made from the like state economics of like the the, the positives of decriminalizing drugs right uh, but when it comes to the effects spiritually i think it could go into a dangerous territory especially if you're if you're if you're seeking spiritual experiences with it because there is a difference yeah. between some people just like oh just recreationally use it but most of the time when you get into heavy psychedelics they're looking for like meaning and and yeah. you know stuff like that it, so. you know it kind of goes back and forth and again this is a very complicated subject so don't hold me to anything but just to kind of explore where the conversations are and especially i'm reading through the chat here so i'm kind of getting an idea actually seeing some perspectives that um 
hadn't really spent a whole time thinking about. But when you go into Pharmakia, again, it's talking about, you know, the uh, the merchants of the world deceiving everybody with Pharmakia. There's an interesting conversation about, you know, especially when you get into the distinctions of like creation versus synthetic you know, manipulation or recreation. Um, again, I don't know exactly where I stand on that, but there is, I mean, that is a valid conversation to have, you know, is creation uh, inherently evil talking about like our mu- magic mushrooms evil and, and right, just a natural thing, right. Versus, thing you know, versus like a synthetic recreation that would be made in a lab and you know obviously used by big pharma companies uh, to try to take over the market versus letting people grow their own mushrooms or something you know between those two things just just to you know isolate that conversation is if one of them was evil and one of them wasn't Mushrooms versus some big pharma synthetic mushroom. Yeah, the big pharma one obviously would be the evil version um, of creation or call it recreation or whatever. But, uh, you know, that's not a conversation we're going to solve on this show today. But I got to say, Gons, as a a good libertarian at (laughs) heart, as someone who generally trusts adult individuals to make their own correct decisions versus... Uh, you know, some sort of government or state telling you what you can and can't do. I think the way that these laws, at least they're being presented in these articles, um, seem pretty reasonable. You know, they're they're talking about fairly. I mean, forty doses of LSD. I think is. Uh, I think that could be Extreme. disputed, but mostly, you know, if if there's if somebody's gonna do drugs, they're gonna do drugs, and, yeah. and that's just the. That's just human nature. If you're the type of person who's going to run out and get an eight ball of cocaine, you're going to do it whether it's legal or not. Um, especially if it's not, you know, in in this case, they're not like being regulated. And that's a whole other, um, you know, conversation. Once the government yeah. gets into regulating something that introduces all sorts of other problems. Um, but, you know, like I said, I make some people uncomfortable with these (laughs) ideas and thoughts that I have about what the government should and shouldn't be able to tell us what and what not to do. I think, uh, I think as far as uh, on the macro view, I think very little people are going to start doing drugs suddenly now because it's legal. Um, so I don't think that's too much of a worry. Now, I do want to recognize that this can be a really, really contentious area uh, for people because, of course, you know, a lot of people have sons and daughters and, and mothers and fathers who have had really big problems with with lots of different kinds of drugs, whether it be heroin or meth. You know, there's a huge heroin and huge meth problem in this country. Um And so, you know, there may be some people who feel pretty strongly about keeping those things illegal because maybe it took a family member, uh, whether physically or even just relationally. Um, And so I want to just put it out there ahead of time that, yeah, I'm I'm actually quite sensitive to that. Um, But as far as, you know, ideologically, these types of laws coming out decriminalizing substances i generally for better or for worse will trust 
you know, right-minded adult Americans to make their decisions. And you don't need a police officer, you know, kicking in your door because you participated in something, whether or not uh, you should or shouldn't be doing it. Again, I would say generally stay away from most things that, uh, you know, will put you out of your mind. But uh, at the same time, there's, you know, the war on drugs is predicated on making these things criminal offenses. And the war on drugs being one of the biggest contributors uh, to the, uh, you know, America having the highest imprisonment rate in the world. Right. Yeah, that's, and, that's kind and, of what I was going to say was yeah, it, it, ridiculous they're... sentences for somebody, yeah. an adult person making a choice about what putting in their body, putting them in jail for any amount of time is unacceptable for as long as things are nonviolent. Um, but yeah, for sometimes lifetime sentences for ridiculously small amounts of drugs. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's one of that. I was going to point that out was that we, we do spend an exorbitant amount of tax money to keep people that are pretty, I mean, it, 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 because the law says it's illegal, they're in jail for stuff with, for substances. But if we're talking about a practical objective approach to, is this person dangerous? Uh, yeah. It's a little bit more murky, but to, to your response, Plus about, you're taking money out of the hands of the drug cartels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the other argument. You know, <laughs> the street, the street price goes down once it's legal because you know, your general business theory, drug dealers are taking less risk. And so prices go down, which takes cash out of, uh, you know, drug dealers in the, the hands of over uh, international drug cartels. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say to the conversation about uh, whether or not, uh, you know, the, the natural versus the laboratory creation in general, I point to Romans eight here where it says, uh, starting at verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation awaits an eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Uh, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until this present time. So in general, I'm not going to go as far as to say like, like a lot of the Gnostics do that, like all creation is evil. You know, creation, mm -hmm. physical reality is evil. You know, that's not, yeah. that's not really the point here, but the idea that creation itself is in bondage would uh, speak into how even the naturally occurring plants and substance like mushrooms totally. uh, would be subject to that decay and maybe something that we shouldn't necessarily be uh, messing around with in terms of. That's a great point. Just, just so I can agree with you real quick, yeah. you know, there's in, in obviously sort of new agey thought systems, but also a lot of, you know, Christian thought systems, creation is kind of considered to be perfect. And I don't think it's a situation where creation is either perfect or imperfect. I think, you know, like human beings as creation it can kind of go a lot of ways yeah so i think it's it is a little dangerous to kind of like 
fully say that creation is perfect or isn't perfect or is evil. And that's something I'm actually glad you mentioned because a lot of people like to throw around the term Gnostic and like, oh, that's Gnostic. Mm -hmm. You're Gnostic. Oh, that's a Gnostic thing. Right. I mean, and a lot of people don't know the actual consideration that the flesh is like pure evil is actually a Gnostic of Gnostic origin. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the idea that your body and your flesh is evil is not necessarily fully a, a, a uh, I don't know what, what you would say on the, an orthodox Christian idea. I, I've heard a lot that was of actually the very basis of uh, Gnostic belief. Which is something that I see, and I don't mean to single out a certain group of believers out there, but I will just say it. Uh, a lot of the more charismatic types will mention, oh, it's that's fleshly thinking. Yeah. And, and, you, and you think, oh, it must be bad because it's fleshly. And that itself is, that's what you're talking about, right? Like the whole idea that it, just because something is fleshly means it's evil. Right. And, but it's not necessarily as simple as that. It's a little more complicated. And um, to be, and to be more specific, uh, you know, the Gnostic idea is that everything of spirit is good and mm-hmm, everything right. of, of matter, you know, including, you know, when you say the world, worldliness, you know, as inherently a bad thing. Now, again, I get it. This is a sensitive topic. People who aren't putting in the time to kind of understand me are going to get mad at me. But the point is the 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 sort of black and white nature of all spirit good, all matter bad is uh you know, inherently of Gnostic origin. Yeah. I mean, the Bible talks about the spirit of antichrist, which means there is a spirit that is, that's out there that is deceiving people and also the Holy spirit. So yeah, of course it's a, it's, it's a, it's a challenging conversation, but yeah, I think people like to uh, label things and put them into boxes that they feel comfortable with. And then they run with it. Especially, especially something like not calling something Gnostic because most people don't actually know what that means. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. and, and not, a, not account against them. There's calling something Gnostic could mean dozens of different things. I know. Yeah. It could be the, yeah, the Gnostic Gnosticism from uh, ancient times to, yeah, more of a, a yeah, general the, definition of Gnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, this is a, it's a deep conversation, but in general, I think uh, going back to the stories here, it really does seem to be uh, moving in that direction of, and, and that's part of the double-edged sword idea, which seems to come up a lot in many different ways. I mean, we've talked about it with economics and blockchain and stuff like that, but even in something like this with uh, magic mushrooms, you're talking about, yeah, you know, this actually allows for people to be more responsible for their own being, uh, but also it could be, at, you know, at a, a different scale if you're looking at it from different perches so to speak it, it very much could be a sort of a systemic mind control uh distribution mechanism to get people you know because the studies say like the, at least this article was mentioning how oh it doesn't mean that more people are going to use drugs uh true but it you know it, i don't know that it's well true in the sense of these studies but I don't know that it necessarily means that it's uh, it's better. Therefore, it's and better. If, you know, and if somebody does have a, a an issue, you know, a PTSD thing or or depression or something like that, I hope they do get some help. I mean, I hope they find Jesus as well. But you know, if if it's in a especially in this 
this clinical setting they're talking about, you know, I do hope people are helped. Um, it, but, you know, this type of topic gets really confused. Uh, yeah, confu- and there's not, not confusing, but just uh, subtle, very right. subtle. Right. Lots of subtleties. Obstacle course. And there, even with any kind of <laughs> psychological trauma, there are ways to approach it, uh, you know, sober minded, if you want to use that word, or if you just want to pump someone full of substances to try to, you know, I tend to think that a lot of the substance use is a kind of a, uh, a crutch situation. You know, if you're not, if you're trying to use it, um, apart from like a recreational, even the recreational stuff, if you really dig down, there's something else going on there. Well, yeah, I find that's, that's actually an interesting distinction for you to make because a lot of people, and maybe this would be people sort of in the psychedelic scene would say that you shouldn't use it recreationally. Right, <laughs> it right, is right. An, an inherently spiritual experience and to use it recreational would be considered abuse. Yeah. Uh, but I do understand your, uh, you know, the way you're bringing it up where, yeah, you know, recreation is one thing, but uh, can possibly get into some dangerous territory using it for strictly spiritual purposes. That's actually a very interesting uh, sort of zigzag that I hadn't thought about. And it's, I think, if you look at alcohol, it's really the the model here. Totes. You know, if you if you look at the history of alcohol, and and they're called spirits. You know, there's. Something there too. It changes people's uh-huh. personalities. Uh, you, you definitely are not sober-minded under the influence of alcohol. So, and the legality surrounding it, the financial, economic impact of it. So, this is something to keep an eye on. But I think it was uh, one of those topics that uh, was not going to be discussed a whole lot during this election cycle, or at least during these elections, because of the chaos with just who's going to be our our rulers coming up here in a few months. Uh, yeah. But also the people that have been talking about it for the most part, if you're talking about like uh, fringy truthy type of folk, it's going to mm-hmm. come more or like, I guess you can call quote unquote woke folk. It's going to be more of your, Hey, this is great for the progress of yeah. society. It's all great you know, good stuff. Uh, and, and again, we've touched on the, the points of agreement there, but also the points of concern when it comes to the greater eschatological picture of uh, how eschatology, Bible prophecy is supposed to unfold and how uh, this idea of pharmakia, sorcery, magic, enchantment, the use of medicine, drugs, or spells is part of deceiving the whole world. I mean, it's not just like, oh, they deceive some people. It's like, no, they, they deceived the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And you know, go. that's the thing keeps getting caught up, man. Those merchants, I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them getting involved. And yeah, I think to close it out so we can move on, um, I would say uh, for me, I will make a very pinpointed uh, statement, which is politically on a strictly political level. I'm actually, uh, I like it when the government doesn't get to tell us what to do. Every little step towards <laughs> that uh, makes me feel a little bit freer. Again, America, baby. Again, let's like using the political process to tell the government that you can't do something in our <laughs> lives. We're just one big, you know, people, always, we, people, always, people on both sides of the political aisle call each other hypocrites, you know, but if uh-huh. you look at it, if you step back as we're everybody, we're just all one big hypocrite, like just all of us, every, every <laughs> yeah. human is just I one know. big hypocrite. 
Well, that's why we got to separate it out. That's why I say politically, politically. strictly politically. <laughs> I'm uh, there's a lot of reasons to like this outcome, and yes, of course, there's a lot of reasons why it's a risky, some risky business. But again, politically, even on a political note, if somebody's going to do drugs, I don't think the matter of if it's legal or not. It's it, it is the least resistance that they're going to face right when it comes to trying to do drugs yeah that's a very good point all right so something to keep in mind and we'll bring up more as uh more information gets reported on these topics uh but let's uh move through this other story fairly quickly here as we go into a break this is uh another uh quasi election story or i guess a i don't know an adjacent to the election story and it's uh, concerning cybersecurity. Psyops. And uh, this, uh, there's a clip here, a one-minute clip, to sort of get us going into the story. Um, it's from CBS, I believe. Wait, what is this? Yeah, uh, no, this is which one? Oh, yes, CBS Evening News. They reported on this. Uh, I guess yesterday. Here we go. CBS's Jeff Begays has more now on election night security. Good evening, Jeff. Nora, we are here in Black Lives Matter <laughs> Plaza. You can see several wait, hundred wait, wait, people stop. here behind okay. me. Co- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he okay? <laughs> Is he? Does somebody have him tied up in a basement? Oh my gosh. You know, some people really relish in the, uh, in the I'm a reporter thing and do, <laughs> do the reporter voice, but uh, sometimes it's a little overdone. I, I'm, maybe he needs some laxatives. I don't know what's going on here. Something is wrong. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's he on some pharmacia. Just because of his voice or does he have a story we actually he's got need a to sto- listen to? He has okay, a story. Okay. okay. It's, I wasn't prepared. I'm okay. prepared now. I can make it through. Nora, we are here in Black Lives Matter Plaza, and you can see several hundred people here behind me. They're calling this an election results watch party, a much different kind of watch party at DHS, where they have a command center that's been set up. And what they're looking for is evidence of adversaries trying to breach election systems. So far, they tell us they haven't seen any evidence of it. Also, FBI headquarters has their own uh, command center set up as well, and we're told that agents are investigating. Getting robocalls that were made today, urging voters to stay home. There is oh, no finally, they're investigating robocalls. That's what our sources are telling us. However, what we're seeing across the country is a heavy, heavy police presence in city cities across America, including here in Washington D.C. And right over here, you can see these businesses all boarded up, Nora, just in case. He's on some uh, magic mushrooms. He's in D.C., right? <laughs> he's, he's on something, some sort of pharmacia. Or like you said, maybe he needs something to loosen up the system. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, the, there you go. I mean, I don't know. This doesn't really come as a surprise, but it's always interesting to see it happen. So the, the deeper part of this story is reported here on AmericanMilitaryNews.com. U.S. Mm-hmm. Cyber Command NSA hunted... Iranian hackers trying to interfere in 2020 election. Mm. And uh, so here it says the U.S. National Security Agency and U.S. Cyber Command, Cybercom, the military command tasked with cyber-related operations, took action 
to counteract Iranian hackers who had obtained U.S. voter data and mm. sent threatening, e- threatening emails to voters. Voice of America uh, reporter Jeff Selden tweeted, New U.S. Cybercom hit back at Iran following its disinformation intimidation email campaign late last month using hacked voter registration data. Cybercom D, uh, what is it? Director NSA Jen Paul or General Paul Nakasoni revealed the op in briefing with a small group of reporters. In another tweet, Selden said both at Cyber or U.S. Cybercom and NSA Gov out quote hunting forward. To eliminate election 2020 threats per Cybercom's General Paul Nakasoni. Ooh, hunting uh, forward. Yeah, hunting forward appears to refer to hunt forward operations, a type of cybersecurity action recently described by Cybercom as an effort to identify and preemptively stop cyber attacks. CNN reported a U.S. official told them on Tuesday that the NSA and Cybercom had taken action within the last two weeks against Iranian hackers working for the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps in response Hmm. to election interference efforts observed by U.S. officials. The official provided few uh, details for what actions the NSA and Cybercom took against the Iranian hackers, but CNN reported the actions came in response to Iranian hackers who last month posed as members of the right-wing Proud Boys group and sent threatening emails to American voters. The Washington Post similarly reported Tuesday that the NSA and Cybercom had taken action against Iranian hackers after they posed as members of the right-wing group in the U.S. and sent threatening emails to voters. Uh, general, posed as the members of the right-wing group. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, made it seem like the Proud Boys are threatening, you know, people to vote or stay home. Oh, that's not going to make the Proud Boys very happy. No, no. Uh, general Paul Nakasoni who leads both the NSA and Cybercom, did not provide specific details about the U.S. cyber operations when asked for comment by CNN or Washington Post, but he told the Washington Post he was, quote, very confident in actions his team had taken against adversaries, quote, over the past several weeks and the past several months to make sure that they're not going to interfere in our elections. Nakasone said the NSA had been monitoring Iranian action for some time and his team was not surprised by Iran's actions. Quote, we had a very, very good bead on what a number of uh, actors were trying to do. He said, quote, we provided early warning and followed them very closely. We weren't surprised by their actions. On Monday, the New York Times also reported uh, the Cybercom hunt forward operations, yada, yada, yada. So it goes on here. U.S. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe described the Iranian election interference efforts in a press conference shortly after reports first emerged of the voter intimidation emails. Ratcliffe said the Iranian efforts meant to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump. Uh, Nakasone told the Washington Post that the levels of foreign election interference appeared lower than they did during the 2018 U.S. midterm elections. Nakasone said, quote, I just don't see the levels that we had seen in 2018, or they're just better at hiding it. Uh, CNN also reported that, uh, yeah, so I mean, there's not much more to say about that. This is the end of the article here, but... uh, Leaning heavily on CNN and Washington Post <laughs> on uh, their resourcing here for the military news here. But, um, you know, this is interesting. Iran uh, being the, the main culprit of the cyber attacks, because yeah. as you know, it's, it's not easy to pinpoint exactly who are conducting cyber attacks as part of the, the nature of cyber attacks in general. Unless they, you know, say like, hey, here we are. You know, we're, we're here, uh, we're the Iranian coalition of whatever, we're here to attack 
the U.S. elections, uh, not to mention how much of the U.S. has meddled with other elections around the world. Tons. Yeah, and yeah. In, in terms of cyber as well, I'm sure it's- Every year. Every the, year. Every year, there's a leadership election around the world. And yes, the CIA is involved in all of them. Yeah. So there's that. And there's also something interesting here, economically tied to this, uh, which this is from BitcoinMagazine.com. This is a couple of days. I guess, no, it's from today. Is Iran becoming a Bitcoin nation? Uh, Late last month, Iran Daily, the official newspaper for the country's government, reported that the administration had amended its cryptocurrency legislation to make digital assets, quote, exclusively used for funding imports at a time of increased pressure on the country's normal use of hard currencies. Uh, In practice, this means that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are mined officially under government oversight, will have to be supplied directly to the Central Bank of Iran. Whoa. Within an authorized limit based partially on the amount of subsidized energy that the miner uses. So this is the first time a central bank of the world has declared that they're, you know, using Bitcoin, mining Bitcoin. And yeah. did you see the Bitcoin price today, Basil? <laughs> I saw it hit 14 at one point. It's breaking through $14,000. It's $14,118 as we record this now. But wow. uh yeah, it's very interesting that there is um there seems to be a, a an economic attack on the dollar and and that's kind of um if there was a, a concern in, in terms of you know if you're going to think politically it, it, the Biden presidency would likely mean a a sort of destruction of the US dollar which for good or for bad is going to be uh uh, part and part with a sort of global one world currency, a digital one world currency direction of right. things to come. And, uh, but Bitcoin, you know, Iran has always been sort of, uh, they have a central bank now, but they've always been part of the issue of why they've been so problematic for the globalists is because they weren't really complying with like the Rothschild agenda early mm-hmm. on, you know? Yeah. And so, of course, they're going to be, especially in America, they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, painted as the terrorists, the, you know, the people that are uh, against American freedom and stuff like that. And so just something to keep an eye on here as uh, the cyber attack front in these elections is, uh, you know, it's, it's such a different world. You know, as we debate, you know, election or uh, voter fraud and mail-in voting and, and, and to some extent, it's a very archaic system we're talking about when we talk about like, you know, counting mail ballots and stuff. Right. When we have systems already for and for a while now that can make the process much more transparent and robust, if you really want to talk about a true, uh, honest way to record things or uh, count votes, there's a much more, uh, there's a much better way to do it. But you know that means that uh, it also means we're going digital and people don't like digital because all digital is evil uh, and all digital is mark of the beast. You know, that there's that angle of things that people have too. So I know yeah. it's not a difficult or an easy transition, but uh, I yeah, have a so- question for you, Gans. Sure. I might dip sort of theologically. Mm-hmm. We know that, uh, you know, one world currency is, is so it is written and so it shall be. Mm. I mean, is there a, uh, is there a spiritual reason now to not participate in the one world currency? Now, Given, I understand the concept that, uh, you know, 
in theory, with the mark of the beast tied in, you don't want to accept the mark of the beast. But barring participation in mark of the beast uh, with a one world currency, I mean, is that something that people should stay away from on a spiritual for a spiritual reason? Or are we now committing to be, uh, you know, taking a vow of poverty because we can't own you know, well, Bitcoin, <laughs> if somebody believes Bitcoin is the one world currency, I mean, is, is that is that not to be touched? Well, here 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 is the ongoing debate discussion, largely in-house discussion for believers, especially those on the fringes uh, like us who look at Bible prophecy and who are seeing the clear signs of technology that would usher in a sort of mark of the beast system. The Bible isn't like super clear that there's going to be a one world currency. It's it's not, it's not necessarily, there's nothing that says like the world will operate under one, one currency. Uh, but the, the, you know, the conversation takes place because of, like you mentioned, the, the, the mark of the beast passages and you can't buy or sell without it. When you talk about buying or selling and, and the permission of buying or selling based on uh, a mark or an allegiance to uh, a figure, uh, then you're talking about mo- more than likely a type of currency that uh, has to be approved by that authoritarian, you know, leader uh, or leadership. But I think this is where uh, we we have I to guess really. That's a good. I think that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you you know, I I I hate to admit it for myself, but I also see you know people doing it all the time. Yeah, sort of mixing up what's actually in the Bible versus what is just sort of, uh, you know, conspiracy theory, no knowledge. Yeah. Like, did you, did I hear you say that the one world currency is not necessarily mentioned? Well, yeah, it's, there's nothing that says the world will be under one currency. Right. Because again, it's more of a, uh, it's more of an idea. And this is why I've always said, like people have always you know, mention like, Hey, you know, we're going cashless and everyone talks about cashless is bad, you know? Yeah. But you're, and that's not necessarily the Bible doesn't say, and then everything will be cashless and not, then the not, antichrist will get you. Not only does it not say that, but if you really want to dig down, if you really want to step back for a moment and, and think about things critically, the, <laughs> what is our, our paper money? You know, what is our cash? A lot of our right. cash is already digital for one. You know, a lot of the cash people use on a day-to-day basis is already digital. Uh, it depends on what kind of infrastructure is behind that digital. And we've talked about sure. that as well. But yeah. when you talk about fiat, fiat means it's decreed by an authority, by government. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, and, and the dollar is a fiat currency. And so the government says $1. And, and I've mentioned, and I've used this as an example Take a dollar bill, look on the back of it. You got the pyramid, the all-seeing eye. It's all there, right? So people say, oh, Bitcoin is the market. It's the beast system. And it's like, hey, uh, we've been under this financial beast system for a much longer time. And uh, you just look on the the, the dollar bill. It's right there. But the other point of the conversation here is what, what determines the difference between a piece of paper that says one and a piece of, of paper that says 100. The only difference right. is we as a society have decided that a piece of paper that says 100 is worth $100 and 
as opposed or to a piece of our leaders have decided. Our leaders have decided agree. for us, and we agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it does take our consent, uh, our, our, our uh, excuse me, our consent uh, to abide by those rules. Because if you know the government can say whatever, but if the people are like, yeah, no, then <laughs> then it won't matter what the government says. At least right in this country, until Biden tells us what to do, then we'll all listen. Uh, but um, yeah, in general, when you look at paper money with cash. Yeah, we're just compliant to the government telling us that, hey, uh, yeah, piece of piece of paper that says 100 is $100. Piece right. of paper that says one is $1. And we will uh, trade accordingly. And currency itself is just a medium of exchange. You know, you talk about yeah. the tulip thing. People use tulips to trade. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff that have been uh, used as currency. So currency it- itself is not inherently good or evil. It's, it's like the, all, all the conversations we've had with the creation itself and everything. It's not so much that the substance itself is evil or not. It's the use of it. And it's the, it's sort of the, uh, the leading of what happens when people with authority and power, you know, use it to their advantage. And so when you talk about a mark of the beast, it could be that every, you know, everybody has their own currency, but, uh, if it's not approved, not an approved currency by the image of the beast and the false prophet, then you can't use it to buy and sell without the mark. Then it doesn't matter what the currency is. It's just that you can't buy or sell without the mark. So, uh, you know, it, it is a, it's an interesting conversation to have, but yes, when you specific to your question, there's nothing in the Bible that explicitly says that there will be, you know, like one, uh, one currency, although the world will follow this beast and marvel after him. So there's a notion that, uh, the, you know, people will have this sort of reverence for this Antichrist figure and its system. And uh, are you okay over there? Yeah, <laughs> looks sorry. Like starting I'm to fall some apart. microphone troubles here. <laughs> yeah. The, the arm is starting to give out. <laughs> Time is running out. Time is running out. We might need to <laughs> go into a break so we can fix that up. Yeah, we might have to thank some producers. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I connected all from the cyber attack angle of things because this is something that um, it's just, you know, it's reported here uh, that, you know, the Iranian hackers and all this stuff, but to most of at least America and into most of the world, it's still a very uh, nebulous thing. Like what cyber exactly is the impact right. of it and how it works and everything. And that's why part of, you know, we've seen a lot of censorship in the last few uh uh, last few weeks with you know people getting canceled off YouTube, off MailChimp, PayPal, um, uh, Patreon, you know, every imaginable third party platform has been under attack for those, or at least the people that have, uh, people have been under attack who don't share certain ideologies. You know, they've been silenced, so to speak, even the president, uh, or at least the president for now, President Trump was censored when he tweeted something out yesterday. And they put a giant, you know, uh, caveat on his Twitter uh, tweet there. Yeah. So, uh, so the idea of, you know, having to establish some kind of arc uh, for believers to maintain the ability to spread the gospel and to access information that's not popular with the establishment, that's going to be something that we'll probably be fighting uh, until the Lord comes, really. And when it gets to the point where, we uh we we find ourselves in a situation like china and i say china because 
you know, they, they're very much against Christianity, like openly. Uh, Islam too, you know, any any kind of religious movement, they're they're putting people in the camps and killing them and all sorts of horrible things. If that becomes the precedent across the world, then we'll know that we're really entering the end times because. Yeah, you know, in Revelation six, it even talks about the those who had already been martyred are are the souls under uh, the Lord's throne. They're all going, God, how much longer? How much more blood has to be shed before you do something? And so uh, there's there's a precedent being set in that direction. Do we can we do something about it in the bigger arc of things? No, it's all under God's timing. But on a day to day, I think it would be uh, just in my opinion, it would be. Almost like giving up if you're just like, oh, it's just, eh, we're all going to get, you know, martyred and beheaded anyway. So let, you know, let's let the, the Chinese take over America because why not? You know, I don't like that attitude either. either. So I don't sure. know. You got me off on a little tangent there, but uh, I got him. I got him talking, folks. All got that to going. say, all that to say that, yeah, this is a, a conversation that needs to continue to happen to educate the church into what all this means, what all this is. The main point of the mark of the beast and the image is worship, is worship of the beast. And there's other passages that talk about, you know, money is not the root of evil. It's a love of money that is the root of all All evil. that to say, go buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> go buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, man, that's, I mean, we're almost uh, 14,000. That's an expensive piece of digital code. I know, man. Okay, we got to go into break, guns. <laughs> All right, okay. Running out of time. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, because after the break, uh, we've got some very important drone news. Uh, actually, a couple of drone stories that uh, you're going to want to pay attention to, as well as everybody's favorite Nephilim update. It's break time. Okay, everybody, take a quick breather. Don't go anywhere. I'm really hoping. We got a nice uh, collection of viewers today. Um, actually, probably some of the highest numbers in, in our recent time, so I'm happy to see that. I do want to say, Gons, give a little update. Like I <laughs> I mentioned it last episode, you know, we don't really pay probably as much attention to viewers and downloads and things as maybe a normal podcaster duo does, you know, it's uh, the, the business model for ad, at least for advertising. If you advertise on a podcast, you have to kind of pay attention to your download numbers and stuff like that. But uh, I kind of got into a habit recently of just, just kind of checking in on our ranks. And uh, again, I was talking to you before the show, which is like, I don't know. Should we say this on the show? Does anybody care? Does what, what's even the point of mentioning ranks on the show? But it did. uh, I did consider, you know, Hey, we got producers of the show who, you know, are, are helping keep the lights on around here as well as providing arts and providing music and things like that. And the, the producers deserve to know how well their show is doing. 
So if you're a producer of the show, and yes, I saw a few come in during the show. Thank you very much. We'll be thanking you in a second. If you're a producer, you should you have the right to know uh, how the show's doing uh, because, you know, that's going to help you make business decisions as a very important podcast producer. And I'm um, happy to say, Gons, we got a nice little boost after last episode. Um, in the United States of America news commentary section, we are currently ranked at number 97 which is pretty good hey top 100 Not yeah bad. we made it to, made it to the top 100 in news commentary in the united states of america which is a very very competitive uh <laughs> category right now you know i mean that's maybe maybe one of the most competitive categories right now especially during an election year uh as well as you know, just a crazy year like 2020 so number 97 and that's all thanks to our uh producers guns so what do you think about that um i, I will it. say i will say australia uh, we were at 59 in Australia last episode. Uh, we've since uh, taken a little bit of a dive. We were at 101 in Australia. So, well, barely just one little nudge will get us back in the top 100. So thank you to our Australia producers as well. Um, I mean, we're doing pretty good across the board, but those are the two exciting ones. How are we doing so with our uh, our mission to... You're going down, Olstein. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me, Gons. That's that's <laughs> your beat, man. I don't even I know. know what Olstein's up to. <laughs> well, he's probably topping the charts regardless. Yeah, he's still number one. That guy will get you, Olstein, <laughs> one of these days. Um, but there you go. Speaking of producers, I think it's uh, just about time to thank some of them. Now... If you're new to the show, if it's your first time uh, tuning in, let me tell you what's going on. I'm talking about producers because, well, I mean producers. You might notice that we do not read advertising on this show. We get it. It's uh, sort of a viable uh, financing option for a lot of shows, uh, especially when you, you know, you know I, I say this with all humbleness and glory to God, uh, when you get to a certain level like we have, advertising is a, is a viable option for funding but here's the problem advertising i'll just say it advertising is evil it's all wrapped up in the merchants of the world as well as big data and privacy concerns all the big concerns of the day are all wrapped up and dare i say it caused by the advertising industry not only does it uh, sort of betray what personally we expect should be you know a given uh, when it comes to privacy rights of individuals uh, concerning big data and social media and stuff like that. But advertising, what it does is it, uh, it, it incentivizes creators like Gons and I to consider you, dear listener, whether you're a producer or not. Uh, it incentivizes us to consider you a commodity, a, a piece of cattle to be loaded up on a truck and sold uh, to a big corporation for our own personal gain. That's right. Betraying your trust and betraying your attention uh, to uh, for our own personal gain. And we just decided that that's not a really healthy way to live our lives. And so instead of advertising to you and selling you off like uh, cattle, which is what big companies and corporations would like us to think of you as, we like to consider you, you know, individual human beings with lives 
as vivid as our own. And uh, so we go by the value for value model, which is we put out this show. We do it as often as we can and we try to do a pretty good job. And uh, if you think that this show brings any value to your life whatsoever, whether it's the entertainment or the education or the news analysis, whatever whatever value this show brings to your life, you have an opportunity to put some value back in. It's not required. This show will always be free, and that's okay. But uh, if you value the show, think about the time you know that uh, that you might consider that that you spend listening or watching the show. You know, uh, during the pandemic, there were some weeks we we're putting out ten hours a week. I don't know. That's like watching five movies at a movie theater or something. What is that worth? I don't know. But whatever it's worth to you, uh, you have the opportunity to put the value back into the show. And it's it's uh, not only helpful for Gans and I to feed our families and our cats and our babies and keep the lights on and pay for this exorbitant internet bill. <laughs> but... Also, it's a way for you to invest in your media future. Do you want advertising companies putting the value on your media? Do you want them deciding, big global corporations deciding uh, what media is valuable in this world? Or do you want to decide what's valuable? That's up to you. But if you decide that this show is valuable to you, uh, you are able to put value back in. It's an investment in your own media future because there will come a day where, uh, you know, it'll become a do or die situation. And we'll only be able to keep going if we have the support from producers like you. So thank you very much. Again, uh, just to mention it, you'll see up in the top right hand, if you're watching the live broadcast, top right hand corner, there's a, uh, what is that? QR code that'll take you straight to our PayPal account. Um, and you can, uh, you know, a lot of people like to have fun with the numbers, you know, people are doing, uh, in, into, in, into girls, integers, whatever. I don't know. The, of 33, uh, you know, trying to take back the Illuminati dog whistle number or, uh, the Trump tax producership, you know, $7, 50 cents, $75, whatever, whatever it is. Some people come in at $3, $3.33. Whatever this show's worth to you, you're welcome to come in at that amount. And one of the ways to do that is you can head over to patreon.com slash CCNT for a Canary Cry News Talk. And uh, we got a couple of producers coming in on the Patreon. First of all, Gons, are you ready to thank our new producer, Simon? Simon. Thank you very much, Producer Simon. Coming in, uh, it was a dismal end of the month for Patreon last month, but uh, but Simon leading the charge, picking picking it back up. And then uh, secondly, we had somebody come in during the show. I want to do a big old thank you to Producer Michael for joining the Patreon. Hey, thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you very much, Producer Michael. Um, now, let's see. That was patreon.com slash CCNT. We also have another Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. And if you haven't uh, checked out Canary Cry Radio, it is a separate show. 
This is Canary Cry News Talk. We also have Canary Cry Radio, which is an interview-style show if you want a deeper dive into some uh, topics that we believe are sort of important topics to keep up with. Um, We just put out two new episodes recently, which was nice. So search Canary Cry Radio on your podcatcher and check it out. I'm over here on the Canary Cry Radio Patreon, and yeah, no new producers. So there we go. That makes it easy. Now, here's the thing. If you don't like Patreon, that's okay. We're a little shaky on Patreon too. Um, We support you in whatever way you want to support the show. And one great place to do that is CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. That's right. Uh, canarycryradio.com slash support. We've got PayPal options. You can uh, come in at a monthly producership or if commitment is not your thing, there are one-time producerships in any amount. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by reading um, <laughs> the chat. Chat is popping off right now. Patrick is a monkey over in Twitch is making a lot of generous uh, uh, suggestions, talking about getting me another cat and stuff. So thank you very much, Patrick. But you're distracting me. Okay, uh, canarycryradio.com slash support. There's also cryptocurrency options and things like that. And Gons, who do we have coming in over there? On PayPal, we have a group of uh, very generous producers here. First off... An elite group. An elite group. Uh, First off, we have... Producer Christopher. Thank you very much, Producer Christopher. Coming in at $33. Taking it back. Taking that number back. We also have Producer Kyle. Thank you, Producer Kyle. Thank you, Producer Kyle. And next up, we have Producer Brian. Coming in at $33.33. Ooh, Producer Brian. Doubling it up. Doubling it up. Producer Ciara. Thank you, producer Ciara. She's, oh, she's uh, back. A regular. Thank yeah. you very much, Ciara. Thank you so much. And also producer Tracy. Thank you, producer Tracy. Thank you very much. And, and producer Tracy came in with the uh, 33 and Trump tax uh, producership, the combo, which is $33.75. We should do the Biden tax plan and try to get a $400,000 as support. <laughs> Oh, good. You, yeah, you okay. hear me? I get you. Yeah, I hear <laughs> um, you. Uh, here's a, just a mention. I just checked this to make sure we do have a Bitcoin uh, gift support from a producer. Oh. Of course, this is anonymous, so you just never know how much uh, or who it really comes from. However, it looks like we got, let's see, what is this? Well, I'll say it in Bitcoin. We got 0.0007266 Bitcoin. I believe that's. 72,000 Satoshis. Is that right? Yeah. So that's about 10 bucks. So thank you, whoever you are out there. But we don't care about that fiat. Yeah. It's all about the Bitcoin. It's all about the Satoshis. (laughs) The Satoshis. Uh, So thank you. Thank you for that. Whoever sent that. Let us know if if you are uh, close to that uh, knighthood. Yeah, uh, well, sure you yet. know, we don't we don't mention it every time, but we will mention we do have the Canary Cry uh, roundtable of knights and dames. And for those who don't know, we've been doing uh, our we've been 
podcasting for eight years or more. We're coming up on nine years here. And I only say that to say that, you know, over the years, um, that can add up. The support can add up. And if over any amount of time, if you reach the producership amount of $1,000 or more, you are, you get a seat at the Canary Cry Roundtable of Knights and Dames. We have a knighting ceremony, um, not because we're Masons, but because uh, <laughs> we just want to honor the the longtime supporters and or the very generous supporters to the show. Um, and uh, no new knights or dames today. But remember, you got to do your own accounting. We don't uh, track everything single person's account um, but if you think you are approaching or have surpassed one thousand dollars in total support of canary cry uh products <laughs> family of products uh let us know send us send us an email in your accounting and we would love to uh make a seat for you at the canary cry round table of knights and dames yes. uh, okay there we go and uh another way to support the show is with your talent uh, we in we have uh, people sending in jingles and songs every once in a while. Uh, for example, today's Pharmacia uh, jingle was basically part of the Johnny Trappleseed Pharmacia track that we play at the end yes. of the show. Uh, that allows us to. That was a good one because it it was not only just a jingle, uh, but it was also a song. So he kind of killed two birds with one stone there. A good job from Janie, Johnny Trappleseed, but uh, we don't have any new jingles today, but as usual, we have some art to share. One Woo! art, please. <laughs> and the first piece of art I'd like to share is from producer Ali. That's Gazelle and Bonds in the chat. This is a, uh, I believe this is a public profile of Basil. Yeah, this was fun. I was, <laughs> the, the details are great. So uh, as of last week, you know, I, I was doing, uh, it was baby week. And so we weren't doing the normal show, but I covered with a couple of streams. And one of the streams, the gaming stream where I played Robo Recall, training to defeat Flippy during the Robo Apocalypse. Uh, viewers got a, a, a rare look at my face without a microphone in front of it. And I, I apologized beforehand, but I had shaved my, uh, my facial hair into a mustache. So she immortalized the mustache. <laughs> in uh in this portrait and thank you very much uh producer ally gazel and bonds in the chat there that's beautiful look at look at how uh how respectable i look in this portrait <laughs> i like how you <laughs> and it's me require... it's uh, oh for those who are just listening yeah yes it is myself uh from about chest up and you can see my my beautiful mustache there, of course, with the VR headset and the big googly eyes. I just love looking into those things. Just even now, I can't look away. Um, so thank you very much. Yes, thank you, producer Allie, as usual. And, Very talented. Uh, she keeps getting better and better too. I know. All this, she's doing so much art for the show. I mean, she was always great, but you can really see how the uh, the the techniques are improving. Yeah, I think she might be the most prolific. I think we have the most amount of art from Allie. I don't so. think she's ever missed a show. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a good run. So please keep it up, Allie. Thank you also, so much. Also, for the no art. pressure though, Allie. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> we enjoy it, but don't feel don't let it become a burden that you need to send something in every show. Of course, I love it, and I would love to see that streak running, but I don't want it to become a burden. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to find out how many shows in a row she has actually contributed. I know we gotta look. Yeah, gotta look. Maybe like thirty three episodes. Actually, probably Ooh. more than that now, but. Uh, so yes, thank you, Allie, for that. And the other piece of art that I wanted to share is from Luke, and actually Luke slash Simon, kind of like a couple of biblical characters. This one's called mm-hmm. The Flood. And again, this Ooh. is from uh, BeholdYahweh.com. Uh, and I got a note from them, uh, from Luke, actually. He said that, uh, uh, that they're they're working on these pieces here. Um, and to clarify, he said that the art is a collaboration between himself luke and his friend simon who actually Mm. does the art while luke does the planning of the scene details and stuff like that so cool uh, it's a collaborative effort and again they're doing uh some interesting work over there at beholdyahweh.com and it's an an interesting piece of art to depict again in kind of a cgi uh fashion it's the flood Mm -hmm. you see the ark in the background and you see uh, the uh, it looks like just nephilim giant leviathan. creatures. It's like yeah, there's a big leviathan and some uh, looks like. Let's see, what do we got here? Let me make it bigger so I can actually see it. Oh yeah, big scary leviathan wrapping around some some boats, not as big as and beefy and impressive as the ark. Really, uh, really quite a violent scene. Yeah, and probably depicting uh, the worldview that we suggest was the reason for the flood. Uh, not yes. so much, you know, just people being bad, hitting each other with sticks, but uh, more so the problem with the Nephilim and their influence on mankind. So very cool. Very cool. Keep it up there. Luke Simon over there at beholdyahweh.com. Check it out. And uh, that is it from the art. Mm-hmm. Very Slow. brief today slower week on the arp that's okay you know our artists work very hard and of course we are working hard to get back on schedule after yeah week. yeah so well, my, might be I an issue it. but uh yeah. yes and the, the last thing i want to mention before we jump back in is uh you can become uh-oh. a producer with uh-oh you work on that i'll <laughs> i'll uh you work on fixing that microphone yeah, the uh, do some tech work here yeah so the other way you can become a producer is with a contribution of your talent uh, or we just did the talent, but also your time. Yes. And uh, we want to thank That Night Wind to uh, with uh, the continued contributions of the timestamps uh, that will be pinned. It's a pinned comment at the top on the Face Like the Sun YouTube channel. And we should probably take more advantage of that in other areas. It's just a matter of laziness yeah. on my part. Yeah, we do need to do that. I also want to give a shout out. I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me. You sent us an email last week about doing clips for us. And you had a lot of great ideas. And I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. I don't know who it is. I'm going to have to go search the email box. But if you're listening, the person uh, who volunteered to help us with clips, I read your email. I loved it. I'm sorry, I did not reply to it. I was busy. Um, But we are uh, putting a... His name is Nathan. Well, I didn't want to put him on the spot, but well, it, I don't think that's whatever your name is. Uh, we're going to get back to you. We loved your ideas. And if you're out there, anybody who kind of has, you know, can has the knowledge and the skill set to help us make clips of the show. 
Um, we really need that. We need to, we, I mean, we, we're working on it. We're working on getting our act together in all sorts of ways, but we need producership help. So if you are somebody who knows how to, uh, you know, download the video and clip some clips and stuff like that, and you, you like watching the show and you, you wouldn't mind helping us out. Uh, we got to start putting some clips out on social, uh, which would really, really help us out. And so um, I will be returning the email of that person who hit us up last week, but also we could use all the help we can get. So if, you know, you want to become a producer and maybe you're not an artist or a musician and maybe you don't, you're not able to help us out financially, you know, maybe that's another way you could help us out. You know, there's lots of ways to become a producer of the show. So you can email us with any of your time, talent, or treasure uh, at canarycryradio at gmail.com. That's canarycryradio at gmail.com. Send us a little little email there. We'll get in touch. Yep. And also just to mention, another person giving us their time slash talent is producer dust canary cry merch perch.com go mm-hmm. check it out and uh i know he's continuing to work on more products yep uh, and just to uh, just so you know you can head over there there's that's the place to get canary cry merch uh and everything's sold at cost but uh please consider there's a uh, you have an opportunity to tip the webmaster which we highly recommend because cost money to do that um and we want to make it worth his time you can also tip the artist of the piece that you purchase and you can also tip gons and i if that's what you want to do and there you go canary cry merch perch.com there you go are you ready to get back let's wake up let's wake up yes it's wake up time hey y'all wake up okay folks it's time we're all woke up here um, we got to talk about some drones, guns, because there's been some crazy drone stuff. You want to take this first one? Drone strikes have saved lives. Can we shoot them down if over our property? Drones. Uh, yeah, some 5G news. BBC.com. 5G using drones to beam signal from stratosphere. There's a picture of the clearly round earth and a drone so far up there. He's <laughs> beaming 5G down. Plans to beam 5G signals to the public via drones that stay airborne for nine days at a time have been announced by two UK firms. They mm. want to use antenna equipment aircraft powered by hydrogen to deliver high speed connectivity to wide areas. Stratospheric platforms and Cambridge consultants say they could cover the whole of the UK with about 60 drones, but telecoms analysts question whether the economic case for the scheme is quite as simple as it sounds, especially if they're fighting against uh, uh, the, you know, the Starlink up there. Yeah. You got to watch out for Starlink. You got to watch out for the chemtrail planes. You got to watch out for <laughs> there's, there's a lot going stuff. on up there. Yeah. The harp. You don't want to get zapped by the harp uh, signals. The Cambridge based companies say they would run the service in partnership with existing mobile operators. They are already backed by Deutsche Telekom, which hopes to trial the technology in rural southern Germany in 2024. Safety rules. Cambridge consultants designed the antenna for the stratospheric platforms aircraft 
which is designed to fly at an altitude of 20,000 meters, which is about 65,617 feet. They say they have successfully tested beaming a lower bandwidth signal from a plane flying at a lower height, but so far the drone required is still on the drawing board and would need to be tested with a emission-free hydrogen fuel cell and 5G antenna on board. All right, we're going to beam 5G, but we still have to test it with the 5G thing there. Uh, Google, with its project Loon, is running a similar project to bring wireless broadband to remote places using solar-powered high-altitude balloons. If you recall, Basil, I think the founder of Project Loon uh, passed away. He was very young, too, uh, a couple years ago. I, th- I can't mm. remember how, but yeah, you, you never know when uh, people in big projects suddenly pass away. There might be something else going on. Mm-hmm. Just to put that out there for anyone that wants to look it up. But the chief executive of stratospheric platforms say using hydrogen fuel cells is a superior solution. Quote, This is a very high-density energy source, which enables us to produce a high amount of power for long periods of time, explains Richard Deakin. He adds that each drone would cover an area of 140 kilometers, about 87 miles in diameter below, and users would get download speeds of about 100 megabytes per second, allowing Mm. them to download a typical 4-gigabyte movie in under 6 minutes. And they have a picture of the non-working version of an antenna, a model of the antenna. It just looks like a giant microchip. You really kind of look at it, a giant panel. Quote, terrestrial masts are extremely expensive to install, adds Mr. Deacon. With our system, each aircraft will, will replace at least 200 masts. Uh, but industry watchers say safety issues need to be resolved. The skies are very heavily regulated, says John Delaney from research firm IDC. Getting a network of constantly flying drones in the stratosphere within three or four years would be difficult. Mr. Deacon is a former chief executive of NATS, the UK's National Air Traffic's, uh, Traffic Control Service, so is well aware of what is involved. And he says the initiative is already uh, talking to air traffic control services across Europe. And uh, 2024, UK mobile operations should have built much of their 5G networks. Quote, it is unrealistic to expect that existing infrastructure is going to be displaced by a network of drones, comments Ben Wood from CCS Insight uh, uh, Consultancy. But he acknowledges they could be useful in hard-to-reach areas, for instance, quote, over large expanses of water, such as a shipping lane. Mr. Delaney agrees, adding that the the solution might suit companies looking to quickly link machines together, for example, autonomous trucks driving in and out of a mine. Quote, you could see... A role for technology like this, which lets you get coverage up and running very quickly in very remote areas. He says, for now, the biggest challenge could be funding. Despite Deutsche Telekom's investment, the two British firms need more money if they are to offer connectivity from the stratosphere within four years. Uh, So there you go. UK pushing the 5G drones. Um, I wonder if this is just like in response to the whole idea of uh, a Starlink type of situation. Yeah, well, it's similar to Facebook's internet drones. Yeah, the internet drone. Yeah, and they mentioned Project Loon. So, uh, internet everywhere. You know, I love it when uh, topics that we've been covering for years just sort of start coalescing. That's something we've noticed. You know, we started this show by having separate segments for everything. AI had its own thing. Robotics had its own thing. Drones had its own thing. 5G, da-da-da-da-da-da. And now it's like, well... Here's one story that has everything all at once. (laughs) 
Yep, yep, yep. Which is great because, you know, the listeners who've been tuned in for years are like already ahead of the curve. You know, they've got yeah. pretty uh, comprehensive knowledge of like everything that comes out. It's like, it's not even really surprising anymore, but there you go. This is yep. one of those fun ones. Yeah. And, and as part of the, the drone conversation, I know you got a story uh, there just briefly here. I know it's election time, so we're. Uh, you know, it's all kind of up in the air. This could be pulled back, but news.yahoo.com U S approves armed MQ nine B drones purchased by Taiwan. So uh, the Trump administration has notified Congress that it approved the sale of a $600 million in armed MQ nine B drones and related equipment to Taiwan. The latest wow. in a series of arms. Transfers That's crazy for the Island. Yeah. That's an, that's an anti-China move right there. It is. It is. It's almost wow. like here. Wow. Make That's sure you guys actually are really big news. It is. That's why I'm saying it might be pulled back immediately. If Biden gets wow. in, he's like, yeah, selling, no selling arms to basically, uh, I don't think China technically considers Taiwan a, an enemy, but they don't recognize Taiwan as its sovereign country. Taiwan, as far as China is concerned, is just part of China. So well, selling weapons to Taiwan is uh, quite the move. And there's headlines already coming in from the Hill. China pledges, quote, proper and necessary response to new U.S. arms sale to Taiwan. I don't know mm. what that means, but no, proper pro- and necessary. Probably not too stoked about it. Wow. Uh, that's that, so they probably up that's the, a real uh, Trump move right there. It is. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe they they pushed forward more of the, uh, you know, the election thing might be. Yeah, uh, even more of uh, the hand of China helping because they see sort of uh, what Trump is doing to help out some uh, surrounding nations or you know free nations surrounding China there. So anyway, there you go. That's yeah. a couple of my drone updates. I know you got your okay. own drone yeah. update. I got one here. Hit that jingle. Drone strikes have saved lives. Can we shoot them down if over our property? Drones. This is from theaviationist.com. The article is titled, Let's Talk About the Mysterious Drone Photographed Over California. That's right. An interesting photo of what could be either the classified Northrop Grumman RQ-180 drone or the Lockheed Martin P-175 Polecat drone surfaced briefly on Instagram late Sunday, November 1st, 2020, then disappeared. Ooh. The original poster, Rob Kalinsky of Sundowner Studios on Instagram, replaced the image with a graphic that reads, redacted. Kalinsky added this comment after removing this photo, LOL, until I dot the T's and cross the T, what? <laughs> until I dot the <laughs> I's and cross the T's, then the picture will return. Ooh, very mysterious. Kalinsky wrote in the original Instagram post, quote, this thing flew over my house several weeks ago and I still have yet to identify it. It's shaped like a B-21, but was painted white. Mystery. I was not going to post it, but I thought that if uh, it were really classified, they wouldn't be flying it in broad daylight like this. Can anyone lend a hand in identifying her? Kalinsky did not specify a date, time, or specific location that the photo was taken in his original post or the equipment he used to take the photo. Before Kalinsky could remove the image, it was screen captured and has been reposted on several internet groups where most comments seem to support 
support the idea that this may be the enigmatic RQ-180 or the P-175 Polecat. Soon after the photo appeared, then disappeared to become more or less viral, Aviation Week reporters Steve Trimble and Guy Norris wrote that, quote, a picture has surfaced showing a new aircraft generally matching Aviation Week's understanding of the shape of what is commonly known as the RQ-180 unmanned aircraft system. Uh, and then they have a little tweet there. doesn't matter. Um, the aviationist.com has messaged Mr. Rob Kalinske on Instagram to interview him about the photo, but have uh, not yet received a response. The photo, which claimed to be taken in California, just north of Edwards Air Force Base, shows an aircraft trailing two prominent contrails, suggesting the altitude of the aircraft at the time of the photo was taken uh, uh, the time of the photo was taken was in excess of approximately 25,000 feet. Contrails require moist, cold air to freeze the water vapor expelled during normal jet engine combustion. Considering the altitude of the aircraft at the time the photo was taken, the size of the aircraft in the photo may be significant. Published estimates of the wingspan of the RQ-180 drone claim that it may be as large as 130 feet estimates of the wingspan of the polecat suggest about 90 feet so there you go this is from the aviationist it's a very long long technical article but uh there may be a a fancy new high-tech 130 foot uh reconnaissance or uh, uh i take that back i don't know if it's reconnaissance or not but drone and it's in this the shape of um the stealth bomber so you know the the allegation being that uh, the air force uh, let me look here i'm just try to find the thing um here we go da, 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 da. nope 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 this article is crazy i should have highlighted some stuff beforehand anyways the biggest thing is that the air force is uh, basically denying any existence of a stealth drone um but uh, aviation professionals are pointing out that that's exactly what this is stealth drones guns armed stealth drones watch not, out not so stealth if they're being seen in broad daylight by, by people. I know this guy just saw it and 25,000 feet is actually not very high for a, um, which is why, which is one of the reasons why people think this is a, you know, an armed drone. Cause usually just reconnaissance drones, they'll be super, super high. Um, so the fact that he could even see this thing was a little alarming, but there you go. The drone, the drone wars continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, Rocketeer Man, a lot of crazy <laughs> things flying around in California, Rocketeer Man and drone, mysterious drone can, uh, you know, sounds like a, like a sky aerial battle or something. Oh man, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe Rocket Man is just uh, flying up there to, to do some, you know, maintenance, maintenance. on the drones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta fix it, but can't land on the ground, that'll give it away, so we're going to fix it in mid-air flight but it will yeah. give our position away yeah you can't let things like this make it onto instagram china can see them <laughs> yeah this yeah, this helps china it's, it's just bad like move. The, the chinese <laughs> at china the official <laughs> government of uh, china just likes the photo yeah yeah 
You know, on Instagram, I don't know if they still do this. I think on like Snapchat and the Instagram stories and stuff, it'll actually notify you if somebody screenshots your photo. I could see the U.S. Air Force just getting a China screen grabbed your yeah. uh, super secret drone photo. Yeah, there's been a lot of, um, I don't know, it's almost like the the level of publicity that certain classified technology gets is behind like well behind and so at a certain point it's like stuff gets seen and things get out there and you know i'm sure the pr guys are like eh that's like 20 year old technology anyways uh, who cares if people see it <laughs> right as long right. as they're not seeing the space brain with tentacles you know oh, yeah we can't let them see the uh the uh the master squid floating through <laughs> the air right right uh, i'm reminded of the story of the the people the military men in the underground bases who had the uh the fitbits on their wrists giving yeah. away positions <laughs> yeah giving away super secret military bases because of their fitbit gps signal yeah so uh, again it all kind of ties into the cyber warfare here of information yeah. and data being leaked intentionally or not but thanks uh, to social media thanks to social media our nexus of truth yes that's all right well that's us. all i have there i'm i'm gonna i need to do more reading about it i just found it right before the show so i wanted to throw it in there yeah. um is it time is it it's time? time it's time this is worth playing.com because these games are worth playing Dawn of Monsters, all collaborating with WayForward, picks up publishing. Dawn of Monsters is a couch co-op brawling auction game. Auction. I don't know why I said that. Action game <laughs> that takes up to four players on a worldwide tour of destruction. Woo! Players take on roles from an all-new cast of kaiju. I'll mention what kaiju is in a moment. And are task tasked with defeating the Nephilim. A Whoa. horde of monsters that are destroying the planet. Conquer At least the Nephilim are the bad guys in this one. Yeah, I know. Conquer four unique worlds and unlock the Maw, an endless onslaught of kaiju brawls. So, kaiju <laughs> another brawl. So the game sounds like you can play for uh, uh, for one of our you know gaming yeah, that'd be fun. streams. They have it in VR. I'm all over it. Yeah, I don't know if they, if they do, but uh, a kaiju. Do you know what a kaiju is, Basil? Yeah, isn't that the Japanese name for just basically giant monster? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is yeah, it giant? It, is it the monsters or the robots that are it, kaiju? It actually means strange beast. Oh. And uh, it, it you know, they're basically the, the, the giant monsters in Japanese, uh, which comes from, I guess, Chinese text, uh, classics of mountains and seas. It can refer to giant monsters themselves which mm -hmm. are usually depicted as attacking major cities and engaging in military uh, activity. Uh, Godzilla is a, yes. a famous kaiju and uh, you know, there's many more, but um, yeah. it's very I interesting in the, the most recent sort of giant robot uh, block Hollywood blockbuster. What was that? Pacific rim. Pacific they rim, actually, yep. they called the robots kaiju, didn't they? Um, I think so. Yeah, I'm looking this up. I think that was sort it. of a, a cultural confusion that confused a lot of people. Because yeah. usually you build the robots to fight the kaiju. And then in that one, they called the robots kaiju. 
Yeah, the the kaiju in Pacific Rim were a race of amphibious creatures genetically engineered by the precursors, a sentient race from the Mm. Antiverse. The Antiverse. In 2013, the precursors opened a portal between dimensions at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, allowing the kaiju to enter Earth's dimension as biological weapons of warfare. That I said that was my (laughs) confusion. So yes, kaiju are giant monsters. Yeah, as biological weapons of warfare, kaiju are extremely hostile and toxic creatures designed with the intention to wipe out all humankind. Oh my uh, gosh. There you go. Um, oh, that's right. Thank you, LJ's Mom 70 in Twitch. The robots were called Jaegers. Jaegers. Yeah. You know what Jaegers means? Like Jaegermeister? Yeah. Well, like the drink. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. What does Jägermeister mean? It, doesn't that mean deer hunter or something? Yeah, something like that. I think it means hunter. Because okay, yeah, the Jägermeister has that deer uh, logo on there, I think, right? I'm just going to look it up. I've got the book of knowledge. Oh, in it's front an of aviator. Me. Really? Test pilot. Yeah, Jäger. The person to fly faster than the speed of sound. Oh, okay. maybe that's the person's name. Oh. Anyway, somebody in look it up. <laughs> Yeah, Jaeger in German is uh, means hunter. Oh, good. Where we get the Jaegermeister. I don't know if that's the same Jaeger. I don't in know English. either. Why? That makes sense because you would have the kaiju, the giant monsters, and then you call them Jaegers to hunt the giant monsters. Yeah. Anyways, so this is <laughs> so this game you're talking about is kaiju versus Nephilim, or are the Nephilim the kaiju? I think it appears to be that you play the kaiju. You are the monster. Ooh. And you're and you're killing, or you you have to defeat the nephilim. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a uh, there's some uh, you know Greek mythology type of stuff going, but it's to trick you into taking sides with the with the monsters. Stay vigilant, <laughs> folks. Don't take sides with the monsters. It's all about the giant robots. Giant robots are the ones. Um, I do want to mention before we go out here, Mom with Sword and Shield. Uh, in the chat mentioned merch perch needs a jingle y'all oh yeah that's yeah. a call out so if we have any jingle makers out there looking for inspiration uh the canary cry merch perch needs a jingle so there you go we'll be i'll keep a lookout for that in the email are you all good, good guns i'm good i'm okay i'm, I'm done uh we sort of we did a great episode and then wandered into distinguishing giant monsters from other giant monsters and robots. Speaking of two giant monsters, uh, Joe Biden, two hundred sixty-four electoral votes yeah, versus yeah. Donald Trump, two hundred fourteen. Uh, they look like they called Michigan. At least this reporting called Michigan and Wisconsin. Man, Wisconsin, twenty thousand votes in favor of Biden. Oh man! Wow, by this 20, is twenty thousand. Oh yeah, 20, I'm looking at it here. Which what outlet are you looking at? Uh, I think this is an AP thing that Google uses. Yeah, okay. No, I'm looking at so. Business Insider that has the same thing. Yeah, I think it's probably all pulling from the same API. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. Okay, the battle continues and will continue for the next seventy nine days. Don't get too worked up, folks. There's a lot of litigation to go on before we actually know who the president is. No matter who wins, it's even if Trump wins, we still have to go through seventy nine days of the Democrats fighting it. So, uh, do not get your hopes up for having an answer. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, at least for another couple months. Yeah. And so there you go. Should be a good time. Good time um, to do the news. 
there you go. It's going to be good for the show either way. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Here's the thing. Remember, you got to become a producer. Look look deep into your heart. Do some praying praying about it. You know, I, I hear a lot that people are praying about or considering becoming a producer. Or maybe you're just waiting for the right moment. And uh, we understand all of that. But remember, the show cannot go on without the help of our producers. Not just your treasure, but also your time and your talent. So however you want to uh, contribute to the show we are here begging for your help <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> to wow. all of our artists begging we have our our beautiful artists and our talented uh, uh musicians and everybody who contributes to the show we thank you so so much remember to thank a producer today have you thanked a producer today well now's <laughs> your chance i do want to uh, give a quick shout out to the canary cry uh producers which is yeah. the uh, canary cry the prayer uh, group and if you want to get involved with them or send in a prayer request or something like that uh, just send it, send an email to canaryprayer at gmail.com. We got a whole team there. Um, you can join the team or send in some, uh, some prayer requests, something like that. You got, you know, we're a family around here. We do that sort of thing for each other. So uh, go ahead, send an email to canaryprayer at gmail.com. And a big shout out to all the uh, Canary Cry producers. Thank you guys so much for what you do. And remember... Art and jingles, you can send all that to canarycryradio at gmail.com. And if you want to become a financial producer, you can go to patreon.com slash ccnt for Canary Cry News Talk or canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right, canarycryradio.com slash support. It's a great place to become a producer of the show. I also want to plug uh, canarycry.community. Are you uh, waking up to the fact that Facebook is monetizing your life and not giving you any credit for it? Are you sick of social media? Are you sick of the lies and the censorship? All those sorts of things. Well, consider going to canarycry.community. That's a real URL, folks. Type it into your browser. You'll find out. It's a fun time. That is our off Facebook, off Twitter, uh, social media. And it's all Canary Cry people. It's Canarians. It's where the family gets together. There's uh, lots of talk about current events and uh, conspiracy theories and all sorts of fun stuff like that. But it's not just that. Um, it's also a family. I mean, there's prayer walls. People are uh, making friends. There's the shout out to my Canary Cry community gamers guild. They're always doing something fun in there. Um, I recommend everybody go check it out. And, you know, it's also a great place, you see this a lot, where you might feel kind of alone in your life, whether it's for spiritual reasons or maybe, you know, your family doesn't want to hear you talk about your political leanings or whatever it is, the truth. Um, and you don't really have anybody to talk to. Maybe there's something happening in your life. Uh, maybe it's an emergency. Maybe it's, it's just something great that happened that you don't have anybody to talk to about it. Um, there's a lot of that going on. You just pop in there, make an account, and uh, there's thousands. Well, there's uh, 1,500 or so Canarians waiting there to to 
to join in in conversation with you. And uh, whether you're having a problem or you got something to celebrate, people go on in there, they make a post about it, and they get uh, a lot of love from the Canary Cry community. And that makes me feel real good. You know, it really is a family that makes this show happen. Not just the show, but all the surrounding stuff. The Canary Cry community, I mean, that's that's built by a Canarian. That's not us. Goodness knows that Cons and I do not have the <laughs> attention span to build these things. Um, but it really is a family affair. Canary Cry dot community, Canary Cry merch perch, the Canary Cry producers. It's all people just like you who uh, listen to the show, but also f- have formed a family around it. And we're very happy about that. So check out all those things. Um, let's see here. Lastly, uh, we haven't gotten any ratings and reviews lately, and I know you guys hate it when I talk about this, but here's the thing. When it comes to these, like when we're talking about our, our global ratings, like we're number 97 in, in news commentary in the United States, uh, a lot of that comes, we have no control over that. A lot of that control is in your hands, folks, and you can uh, help us climb up the ranks by leaving ratings and reviews. And uh, it's really important. This isn't just like kind of a side thing. A, Gons and I read all of them and we love it. And every Friday I will be reading ratings and reviews because they're great. Um, but also, it's just very important because it uh, convinces the oh. iTunes algorithms, hold on, to uh, tell people who may not have heard about the show uh, to listen to the show. And that's very important. It also uh, determines our rankings um, on the, the podcast charts. Yes, Gons? I feel really bad because we totally forgot a jingle that was a music piece that was sent in. Oh, no. From Objectivity Cave. Oh, yeah. Remember that? We'll, we'll, we'll play that. Yeah. Do you want to just set that up? We'll play it at the, the mix at the end. Uh, that might be a little harder than it seems because he just sent a link. And I'll oh, have to, you got to download it. Yeah, and I got to download still. it and stuff. So. Okay. Objectivity. We got your song. Yeah, we got we'll you. Be, we'll, we'll play it on Friday. Yes, Thank you. we'll do an official yeah. thing for you. Good remembering uh, guns. Yeah, I'm looking at this and I feel bad now. So Okay. Sorry, Objectivity. That'll make it on Friday's show. Um, but back to the task at hand, which is uh, go leave ratings and reviews. And the easiest way to do it, listen to me, listen closely. Go to your search bar of choice. Maybe Bing. Maybe Google. Maybe DuckDuckGo. Maybe Ask Jeeves. Maybe that guy will help you out. To go to your search bar of choice, type in Apple Podcasts. Canary Cry News Talk. Apple Podcast Canary Cry News Talk. Leave a rating and a review. That is the best place to do it. Give us five stars. Come on. You know you want to do it. And let people know what uh, what's so fun about the show, why you like it so much. Um, I used to invite one stars. I don't want to do that. I, you know, keep that to yourself. <laughs> but uh, but thank you so much. That's very, very helpful. So go make sure to do that. And what, lastly, one of the best ways to spread the show, make sure you hit the like buttons and the notification buttons and the share buttons. But even more than that, uh, just tell a friend. You got friends, especially in this crazy election time, who are waking up to the fact that the world is not what it seems, that truth is more complicated than what they hear on the news. 
And Canary Cry News Talk might just be the thing for them. So text an episode to a friend, send them a link, whatever you got to do, let people know about the show, let them know. It is funny, you know, it's not just, it's not just the same thing they're going to hear on other crazy conspiracy shows. We got a whole thing here and uh, let them know to listen to the show. That's very helpful. We'll be happy to participate in their journey down the narrow road of truth and if you need any other instructions here's what you do you walk right up to him you grab him by the cage and then you shake it the end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted i want to shake things up stir up some controversy rattle a few cages don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Rattle a few cages. Rattle a few cages. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, folks. Just ask Noah. All right, Gons, any last words? Uh, No. Thank you guys, everybody, for listening. We appreciate all the support, all the producers out there. Shout out. And, uh, yeah, stay safe. (laughs) Shout out. That's how you give shout outs now. Shout out. (laughs) Shout out. I declare shout out. All right, folks. uh, We will be back on Friday, November 7th. We'll be two days closer to having a president. That's Friday. No, that's wrong. Friday the 6th. Friday, November the 6th. Don't be here on the 7th. We won't be here. Friday, November the 6th. Sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Put it on your calendars. Turn on notifications. Follow us in multiple locations. That's very important. If you haven't done it yet, head over to twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Follow us there. Turn on notifications. It's a fun time. Um, so there you go. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. Son of a beastie. Remember, reality is an illusion. The universe is a hologram. Buy gold. Buy! I wanna shake things up, shake things up. I wanna shake things up, shake things up. Leave the bird alone. I wanna stir up some controversy. I wanna rattle a few cages. I wanna rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy, little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. Fun fact, I believe it was uh, another fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> Another fun fact. Brings me back to my screamo days. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
That's where I started. Light up a huge blunt, a joint. Give everybody magic mushrooms. Smoke. The CIA, you know, I mean, lots of intelligence agencies have tested secretly dosing communities. Psychoactive pills should be covertly administered. Put me on some, some, I don't know. Are you shot in the butt? Fluoride, oxytocin, get a chemical hug. Uh, I did dabble, you know, some of that uh, robot crack. I know what it's like. It's a lethal, lethal recipe for disaster. You need help. If you're a pharmacist, you need to repent. (laughs) All right, weird.
future humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and The camera's on Fewer people to be born. Sing for-